Dieser Podcast wird mit ermöglicht durch die GEMA im Rahmen des Stipendienprogramms Neustartkultur der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien. And it does it. What's your podcast glass? Yeah, the screen glasses. These have got the blue, uh, you know, the blue light filter on them. That's all. That's all a scam, I heard. Probably is, but it's it's all a conspiracy theory. Yeah, well, it might just make me live an extra day. So <laughs> let's just get, let's give it a try. Well, at least your eyes. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing fine. Yeah. How's Brighton? Loving Brighton, man. Yeah. I think at first, but yeah, I love it now. Do you? Um, uh, yeah, See, yeah. Seems, seems to be the hip thing in Britain now, Brighton, right? Bri Brighton, Bristol, those cities. Yeah, nobody wants to live in London anymore. So everybody moves to these places because it's just crazy expensive in London now. It's just off, off the hook. I don't know anybody that still lives in London apart from Nicky. Really? Yeah. Most people, well, I do know people that live in London, but most of the people I used to hang out with in London, they don't live in London no more. Everybody's moved out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when, uh, just before Naomi decided to move here, just yeah. for uh, just for a laugh, we looked at how would it be if I moved to London, but no. <laughs> it's madness, yeah. It's, it's madness. It's much cheaper than it. And, and you know, Brighton is kind of like, to me, how London used to be. You know, yeah. I can go into bars or restaurants or something and you, you're hanging out with the owner of those places. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In London, everything's just a chain now. Nothing's personal anymore, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. Nobody seems to give a shit. Like, the service everywhere for everything is just crap. Everybody's got a temporary job and like, it just sucks. I don't like it. And you pay a lot more for it. So, I come mm -hmm. down here. At first, I didn't really like it because it's just completely different. But now I love it. I love it down here. Yeah, the times I've been to Brighton, I, I I like it. I mean, it's obviously not as big as a city. Yes, obviously London, but mm. not even cities like like Manchester or, or or take any other bigger city. But seems to be a lot going on. Seems to be seems to be nice, relaxes at the sea. So I don't know. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's got everything I want. It's got the music, and you know, it's only an hour away from London, so I still yeah, exactly. Go to football and do everything I do in London if I want to do it. I just get the train. So. If you, yeah. if, if you if you want to go to football, how, how long does it take you till uh, till you're at uh, till you're at West Ham? Well, from the moment I leave my front door to arriving at the stadium is two hours. Ah, so it's, it's an hour on the train, but then I've got a 25 minute walk to the station, and then an hour on the train or an hour and ten on the train, and then that you know 15 20 minute walk to the stadium from. Actually, it's, it's a three hour walk to the stadium from Stratford Station because I have to stop at the pub first. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. I mean, <laughs> that needs to be. It should take about fifteen minutes, but it takes me four hours. 
So, so do, do they pour a uh, uh, beer at that stadium? Uh, yeah. yeah Real beer. You can't you can't um, drink it at your seat. Ah, I'll you just drink the... it before the game at halftime. Uh, after the game, all the bars are closed unless you're in the corporate boxes. But yeah, before before the game and then uh, halftime, then everybody back out over the pub. But of course, you're in the corporate boxes. <laughs> yeah, I, was, actually, I was in one last month uh, I did the Brentford game in a box and we lost but uh, yeah oh so you're so superstitious you're never going to go in a box anymore never going again I'm interested I'm sometimes in a box at uh, at Rhoda I'm, yeah. I'm just interested what do you get when you go in the box at, at West Ham uh, well there's different levels of it um, the one we had Uh, it was my friend's birthday, so he, he just upgraded everyone who had a season ticket and a couple of his friends, his wife went. So mm -hmm. for that one, it was just like a private bar area just shared with like a hundred others, something like that. Um, it's all quite plush and nice. You you have to pay for drinks, you have to pay for food. You get a free match day program and then you get to watch the game on a nice comfy padded seat in the middle of the stadium, you know. But there's other levels where you get an actual box where you have a free course meal and, you know. Um, drink to pay. There's all sorts of different corporate packages you can buy, but all oh, right. And if, yeah. I think if you, if you spend something like between three and ten grand for a game, depending on you know um, who you're playing against, then yeah. you'll get you'll get the full package. You know, you'll get everything. You can meet a player, an ex an ex player will come in your box and sit with you, and blah blah blah, all this kind of shit. Mm. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. No, that, that, yeah, that seems to be a bit different. I think I think you uh, if you want to box at Rhoda, I think you spend one and a half thousand euros. Right. Two two hours before the game, at the game, two hours after the game, drinks are free. So right. you get free drinks for five to six hours, and then they come in with snacks and all that kind of stuff. You know, you can be with I think eight to ten people, so you can split right. it up. It's it's a hundred and fifty hundred and fifty ahead. You can probably you can probably tr drink. <laughs> That's easy. I spend on drinks alone on match day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not that bad. The only you problem with that, though, that I, I can see is that you have to watch Rhoda. Yeah, well, it's, it is. Actually, this season is not that bad, but um, they play quite well. The position on the, on the on the list is not that great, but I don't know. Well, maybe, you know, like next time you're in Holland and you have nothing to do, come do that with us. Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. I've been so to a couple of games, actually, on tour. Germany, normally. I've been to Hanover and uh, Bremen. A couple of them, but yeah, yeah. But the, 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 that big stadium of yours is that? Are you guys is, is everybody okay with that now, or is it still like? Ah, uh, it's fifty-fifty. A lot of people still hate it. I've kind of stopped complaining about it. Um, it's but you know I, I try to see the positives in it because otherwise you just spend your whole time complaining. You know what I mean? So for yeah. me, it's it's much quicker to go to the bar. So it's good for that. Upton Park is like a nightmare. You know, you queue up for fucking half hour trying to get a beer at the bar. So it's better than that. Yeah, I remember that. The toilet. You know, there's, there's toilets everywhere. You know, Upton Park, <laughs> there was one toilet for 30,000 people. So, you you know, you'd go to the toilet half time. You come out halfway through the second half. So little things like that are good. Um, they do create a good atmosphere on these Europa League nights. You know, they have the uh, funky lights and disco and fireworks and all this kind of stuff going on. They're uh -huh. quite exciting nights, you know. So d does that sell out now, that stadium? Yeah, yeah. Most Premier League games are sold out. Oh, that's the Carabao Cup games, not really. Uh, the Europa games, I thought they would have sold out, but they've been good attendances, but they haven't been sold out. 
Because I was going to say, I mean, past, now we've won the group. When we get past the group stage to the knockout, those games will sell out definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of like the, the more old school side of things too. Yeah, but but you guys haven't been this successful in ages, huh? No, well, the last trophy we won, I was four. That was in 1980. <laughs> so, I mean, we won, you know, the playoffs, getting promotion to the Premier League and those kind of things. But that's yeah, not yeah. really winning anything, you know, competition. Ah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to win a trophy, any trophy, I don't care if it's the, the, the lowest, shittest trophy, just to win something this season with the way we're playing so well at the moment. If we could win one thing, I'd be, I'd be so happy. If you qualify for Champions League, that would already be, you know, I mean that that, that brings in a lot of extra, Alex, a lot of extra money to be able to go win those trophies, though. Oh, that's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. We've got a lot of injuries now. We've got no defenders at the moment, so now the hard work's really going to. I think we're going to see a slip down the table a bit now. Yeah, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? You've got to have a big squad to do that to finish. But who's your, I mean, who's your, who's your competition there right now? Tottenham and and, and fucking Arsenal. It's Tottenham. Arsenal. Shit. It'll be Man United now. They got the new manager. Um, you know, and then the three teams above us. But yeah, there's there's a, a sort of all the mid mid table teams are all fighting for that Europa League spot, Champions League spot. So you'll just be in that mix with them, I think. To well, stay fourth uh, is going to be difficult. When you've lost your two best defenders, it's going to be, I think, impossible. Ah, uh, you never know. I mean... Well, we might buy one in January. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hoping too for my team, but there's literally not even a hundred thousand euros to do that. So exactly. there you go. That that's 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 the, the difference with the league you're playing in, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got a new owner now that's uh, a billionaire, so he reckons he's gonna buy us some players. So we'll see what he's got. See what is it, he's got. Is it, isn't isn't everyone a billionaire that owns a club of the Premier League now? No, a couple of them are only millionaires. They don't have enough money. Oh. So <laughs> this guy's got uh, got the big pocket stuff. Where's he our from? owners are rich from porno. That's oh. why they call them the Dildo Brothers. But now we've got this third guy. He's a um, Czech Republic Czech guy. He owns Sparta Prague. Oh, does he? Yeah, but he's uh. a billionaire. So I don't know where his money's from. I haven't really looked into him, but I just hope he spends it. And I hope that, because you can say you've got millions of pounds, but you can, a lot of players will say, I don't want to play there. You know, they yeah. won nothing for 40 years. Why would I want to go there? No matter how much money you got, but uh, I, I think a, a player would rather go to. Looking from the outside, I would say a player would rather go to West Ham than it would go to Newcastle. Yeah, that's because their girlfriends want to go shopping. Yeah, so, well, hey, just just be happy that their girlfriends want to go shopping. Oh yeah, no, I am. Yeah, no, but that's that's, that's a known fact that people don't want to play for some teams because there's nothing attractive about the area. You know, yeah. uh, no offense to people from Burnley, but <laughs> the wags don't want to live there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I played a show in Burnley at one point in my life. Yeah. It was actually one of the better shows on that tour, but hey, I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about UK tours about five, six years ago for mainland European bands. Bad news, bad news, but you know. Hey, um, so yeah, so uh, I, I guess everybody found out you're a West Ham fan, which, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is good. But hey, um, Let's get to uh, to Ray Knuckledust and they uh, and 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 all the other bands you've been in. Um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be about music. All this in the podcast, obviously, but um, uh, I, I think most people know you from uh, from Knuckledust. And I was especially um, stoked to talk to you 
because uh, I always see interviews with Pierre. I see uh, uh, Wema obviously has his podcast. Um, hardly ever see interviews with you and Nikki. So it's like I have to get I have to get Ray on. So um, I mean, I think you need to get the truth. <laughs> Some realism, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but since, but when uh, Weymouth does stuff, I listen to his interviews, and he always gets the dates wrong. He's like, yeah, I think it was like 99 or something. I'm thinking, that was 97, man. I remember it well. Like, what? <laughs> like yeah, just first album when it came out in 2005. I was like, it came out in 2000. You just, you just, you just, you just banging the steering wheel of the car because he's getting all the dates wrong. And like, oh, man. You're just looking for an opportunity to set a record straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. Now I know why you why you were so uh, uh, stoked to get on it. Nice. Yeah. Hey, but, but um, let's start from the beginning. Um, I think we got to know each other fairly early in both our bands. Let's let's call it careers. Yeah. Um, when we came over to England, I think in I think it must have been '98 for the first time. I think it was '98 when Pierre had the uh, the idea. Well, I think it was like we we have nothing to do. We're just going to come over to London uh, for a weekend, and then he called me up next the week after, and he said, "Oh, I got like nine shows booked for you," and uh, we played the Red Eye twice, and that's where I met you guys because we played a couple of shows on uh, on that tour with you guys. You 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 guys have been together since ninety uh, six. Yeah, ninety six. Yeah, you actually your twenty fifth anniversary uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. Last month, um, we did a show at the 100 Club in London. How was that? The legendary 100 Club. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I um, it was originally booked for July. Mm-hmm. It was a Saturday night in July. And it would have been, the July show would have been the first show of any musical genre to happen in the 100 Club after the lockdown. So that show would have been nuts. That would have been off the hook crazy. Um mm-hmm. But then our government extended the lockdown for another month. So we had to cancel that. I called up the 100 Club and said, what Saturday nights can we have towards the end of the year? And they said, Saturdays are fully booked now for the next two years. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. All right. What about Friday? Friday book two. So I was like, oh, all we can offer you is a Monday or a Sunday afternoon. So I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> so we did a Sunday afternoon. And it was good. We had a good time. But... A lot of people couldn't come because they got work. Some people were coming from, you know, from mainland Europe, couldn't travel because of the virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, people coming from up north obviously didn't want to come anymore because it meant getting home at a ridiculous hour and mm-hmm. having to work the next day, blah, blah, blah. So we had a few people that couldn't come, but the show was still good. It was still good. We had a great time. It was a yeah. good show. Because we were... Club, amazing venue. More, I think it was the first DIY hardcore show there. We've, there's been shows, you know, organized by record labels and big promotions and stuff like that before. Mm-hmm. But this was organised really by me and Barnet Mark from the Twelve Bar, mm-hmm. so I'd like to do more shows there. It's a good venue, right? It's, yeah, well, classic, it's where the Sex Pistols first played. You know, it's one of them real yeah. classic old school venues. It's got a real feeling about it. Like when you walk in any of those old rock and roll places, you get this sort of aura about the place. You know, yeah. the walls have got stories to tell. That kind of thing going on. Uh huh. We should be playing there. Like London, a lot of the punk bands play there, and the oi bands play there. But there's never been a hardcore show, so mm. there has been. There we've done it. Yeah, well, good to hear. But I mean, if you're going to do more shows there, I guess not on a Saturday and a Friday for the next two years. So exactly. Well, that's why we haven't booked anything. <laughs> I mean, this is the problem now. It's probably the same over there. Actually, the problem now you've got so many rearranged shows that all of the venues are booked up now. 
to do anything. Yeah. So we're actually not playing any shows. There's nothing booked at the moment. <coughs> you can either do it in like a really, really small venue, which we probably will end up doing, or a really big venue, which is going to be half empty, mm. you know, and you're going to have to play big deposits for the venue and all that stuff. But the venue at our level, they're all fully booked now for like the rest of the yeah. year because you had all the shows rearranged from 2020, the shows uh -huh. rearranged from 2021. Then when one comes available, somebody quickly snaps it up. Mm -hmm. And it's just really difficult now to get venues to, to book shows. So, you know, yeah. we'll probably end up supporting somebody or jumping on, uh, you know, a, a, an all day or on a bill or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's what you have to do. Uh, it's 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 too bad because I, I see the same thing happening here, but I haven't I haven't noticed yet with clubs so much. But I'm sure that that's what's happening here as well. Just of course, the stretch is a little bit bigger you know because i mean you can jump from holland to belgium to france to, to germany or whatever so yeah. there's always somewhere and something that that can be arranged but for example the, the 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 festivals whether it's hardcore or metal or whatever it is all those things are like fully booked with bands that like just got moved up all the time so getting in between that is not going to happen the next next two years i think so that's it's kind of a bummer because i mean we're not the youngest band anymore you know and i'm like This is this, this is just fucking bullshit. But I don't know. It's nothing you can do, I guess. No, nah, I'm not. I mean, I was really, really pissed off about the hundred club having to move at the time. But all the other stuff now, I've just kind of. This is the world we're living in now. If you're going to stress yeah. out about it all the time, you're probably not going to sleep any night. So you've yeah. got to get on with it. You know, it is what it is. You know, PCR tests and uh, COVID passports and all this kind of stuff. It's it's the new normal now. It's just gonna. Yeah. If you want to play shows, if you want to go to shows, you know, you're just going to have to jump through these hoops. Yeah, so, un that's unfortunately true, but it's it, I agree with what you say, you know, like it's uh you can, you can you can be pro or you could be you can be against it, but I mean, it is what it's going to be, so you you got to make a choice if you want to play it and I guess you got to jump through the hoops just like you said. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but um I was I was just saying like um you guys have been around since 96? Yeah. So, um, in a nutshell, like, I mean, uh, I've heard this story before, but in a nutshell, like, um, how did you, how did you guys get together? I mean, you're originally from Manchester, right? No. Don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Manchester before I started the band. Oh, or is, or is your, uh, or is your, your parents from Manchester? No, nobody's from Manchester. No? No, my dad is, my mum's Irish was yeah. Irish she's no longer with us but my mum was Irish and my dad is from Sunderland he's from oh. Durham, up in the northeast oh, he's from Sunderland yeah he moved to London for the World Cup to come and see the World Cup in 1966 and then uh, stayed he, here he, he didn't go are on. you for real yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, a bit crazy <laughs> I mean bearing in mind back then up north was really poor you know those guys mm -hmm. were poor and the only jobs was coal mining that's all there yeah. was mm -hmm. and he was like You know, it was inevitable that at some point he'd have to go and work in the mines if he wanted to pay bills and go out and stuff. So he came down to the World Cup in 1966, stayed with this fella, uh, made friends with this guy, stayed around his house in East Ham. And uh, the guy said, we're building a new road called the M11. It's a motorway from the north <laughs> to the south. And he yeah. said, do you want to help us make it? And he was like, all right. So he just stayed down. He got a job working on the M11. Then he, he got a job working for Fords uh, in East London, in Dagenham, and just stayed there. And when he was driving, he was driving new cars for Fords, driving the trucks that deliver the cars. And that's how he ended up going to Ireland and meeting my mum. Mm. And, uh, you know, they got married and uh, there we are. So, yeah. <laughs> Who spread yeah. the crazy rumor that you're from Manchester? 
No, 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 no one's from Manchester. That's no, yeah, East London. I mean, that, that was really where you know me, Nick, and Weymer knew each other from school. Yeah. Um, me and Nicky was doing a band called uh, called Mental Torment. It's called actually called Toxic Death. <laughs> and uh, and me and Weymer was in a band separately called Hidden Reality, which was like soul hip hop um, covers band as part of the youth centre. Yeah. And, um, you know, Weymer was a bass player in that band. And Nicky was the guitarist in Toxic Death. And that was just a jokey thing, you know, it wasn't even serious. It was just playing around, he's turning up the, the um, foot pedal, you know, the distortion pedal, mm. putting everything on 11 and just <laughs> trying to sound like Deicide, you know what I mean? <laughs> so then we got, uh, I got Weimer into like metal and hardcore. He kept, kept pushing it, pushing it and pushing it. And then, um, you know, he came around and then, in reality, we started messing around playing the bar and stuff and that. And then I kind of um, put Nicky and Weymer together. Said, let's just get together. Yeah. Um, I mean, Weymer got me into drums, to be fair. Weymer was the one that invited me to come and play drums in Hidden Reality. So uh, we did our band. I was doing my metal thing with Nicky. And then I got them together. And then we did uh, Mental Torment. That was our metal band. Was that the first time you played the drums ever? Yeah. Yeah. At that point, it was... Um, I don't know. I was I was doing electronic stuff in the other room. This was all at the youth club in Beckton. Mm-hmm. The, the kids would just go there for stuff to do. They had table tennis, pool. You could do DJing, MCing, whatever. And they had a live music room and blah blah blah. And I was always doing electronic music. I was making beats on the the computers and stuff and doing all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, I just started playing drums. Wayne was like, "Come and try drums." So I went over there and I just sort of picked it up. I don't know. I don't even know how. I just could do a drum beat. Mm. Because it's like you're trying to replicate what you're doing on the electronics, and it just how happened. I was like, oh. "How old were you then?" Uh, probably around, I'm going to say something like 14 years old, maybe 15. All right, we were still at school. Yeah, we were all still at school. So before 16. Mm. So that's um, that's when I started doing mental time. I say around about 18 was when we we all got together with me, Nick, and Weymer. Nicky was singing and playing bass. Weymer playing guitar. Um, we did a big festival in Germany. We did a show at the Ruskin Arms, and that was it. We didn't really do much. We never left that that practice room. You know? Did you say you did a big festival in Germany? Yeah, it was um, the the YRE organised the Youth Against Racism in Europe, and yeah. there was a guy in East London that was a member of that, and he liked that we was a uh, you know um, <laughs> multicoloured band, and he was like. Uh, <laughs> come and do this festival in Germany. So we was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And the guys from the Ruskin Arms paid for it. They funded it for us. Mm. Uh, we asked for sponsorship in the local paper and he gave us some money. So we was like, all right, we're out of here, let's do it. And um, we played this festival. It was with loads of punk bands. Slime, um, Fundamental played. Uh, they were like a hip-hop band kind of thing. Um, I can't remember the, the bands, but yeah, it was a big, big festival for us. I mean, it was yeah. our first ever show, first time we'd ever played. Slime's great. Yeah, yeah. So and basically, yeah. the Ruskin Arms didn't just start Iron Maiden off, but started you guys off too. Kinda. That's a, a bit of a. <laughs> <laughs> it was love hate with him. The guy oh, there, the owner it? there, was called Jack, and um, I don't know, man. That guy. I, I think if you looked at him now, you would say he was. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had a mental health problem or something, man. He was uh, one week he'd say, "Ah, boys, how you doing? Come on in, come on in, my mates, come on in. How you doing?" Next week he's like, "Get the fuck out of my pub! 
I don't want you in here no more. You don't ever come in here again. And you never did anything to deserve it. And then we went in there one day, and he's like, there you go, boys. There's a couple of hundred quid to fund your trip to Germany. He was like, what? And we did the trip, and we thanked him in the local paper, everything. And then we went in the Ruskin, like a couple of weeks afterwards. We walked in there. He's like, get the fuck out of my pub. He said, you don't, you don't appreciate nothing, you bastards. I paid for your trip. You don't even say thank you. And we're like, what? We did. We said it in the paper, publicly. <laughs> and he's like, fuck off. Get out of the pub. He's like, what? Didn't get that guy, man. But anyway. <laughs> well, it sounded like a good relationship. But, uh, Strange. So- I don't know what was going on with him. But, but but didn't you go didn't you go back and play shows for Knuckle Dust there afterwards? Uh, we did one, yeah, we did one. There was an all day festival there that um, I think uh, one of the guys from Fifty Caliber or someone organised it. I can't remember, but yeah, I did a show. We did a show with Knuckle Dust there. Um, but it sucked. There's a live music venue. It was awful. It was good <laughs> for um, it was good for like they had a DJ night every every Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So it was just like a real biker's pub. It was it was rough, man. It was a rough pub. Like yeah. People were scared to walk past that pub. He's across the road and shit. But once you was in there, it was it was fine. You know, you got in places like that yourself, I'm sure, back then. And, you know, once you're in there, I loved going there, you know. It, yeah. it, but there was always that air of, like, someone was going to punch you in the mouth if you did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing or, you know, it was a scary place to go. As a kid as well, we was underage, you know, we was, like, 16, 17 going in there. Yeah. And um, these were like big, fucking hairy, tattooed biker dudes just snarling at you. They wasn't like, "Hi guys, come on in." It wasn't like that, like it is now. It was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Go over there," you know. So, so that eventually, were, you kind of got to know them. It was all right. That was what beginning of the nineties. Yeah, it would have been near yeah, like ninety two, something like that. Ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. Um, around that time, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 I think that is a time when when pubs in general. You know, th- that was a little bit towards the end when a lot of gentrification started in the biggest cities, I think. So, yeah. I mean, out here, as of the turn of the century, like a lot of a lot of stuff is less rough anywhere. Whether you whether you talk about shows or whether you talk about pubs or you talk about football, any, everything got a little bit more, how do you call it, like streamlined, you know? I was going to say it's more accessible now, everything. Like, it was real yeah. underground stuff back then, you know? Like mm-hmm. people wondered what went on in the Ruskin, and there were so many rumours about the place. But it was just a pub <laughs> with heavy metal music. That's all that was going on in there, you know. Yeah, it was good. It was but I'm say, sure I think... there was more sinister stuff going on that maybe I was naive to, or I didn't know much about. <laughs> there was, you know, the Hell's Angels run the door in there, so there'd have been stuff going on that I was just oh, like yeah, sure. walking past a drug deal and didn't even realise it was happening or some mm-hmm. shit. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it, it, it was good. It's good like to go places like that because you. When you spend your youth somewhere like that, you're not scared of going anywhere after. Like when Knuckles first started playing shows, people were like, oh, you shouldn't go to Glasgow. It's going to be crazy up there. We're like, all right, let's go to Glasgow. Get in the car and we go. You know, we go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, and when you go to these places, it was never anything. That, nothing was as bad as the Ruskin. Yeah. So when you when you guys uh, uh, when you guys turned to Knuckle Dust, uh, is, is this, were you guys already Knuckle Dust when when Pierre joined or? Were you not no, knuckled us? Yeah, yet? we was we was uh, uphold. We had Danny Evans singing at that point. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember we you telling me that. We went the three of us to like Danny singing, and then um, from Danny we we became uphold. And then when we got Pierre, at the point we got Pierre, he came up with the name Knuckle Dust. Ah, all right, all right. Uh, so that's his name for the band. Shout out to Danny Evans, by the way. But uh, yeah, so um, and. and how did you get to him? Because he's from he's from South London, right? 
No, he's northwest London. He's from northwest. Yeah, Jesus Christ, I got everything wrong here. <laughs> well, it was uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know who your researcher is, but you need to find him. No, we uh, Manchester. Yeah, he um, he said <laughs> he uh, put an advert in a record shop in in um, central London near uh, what was it called now? Uh, Wardour Street. One of them. There used to be loads of little record shops everywhere. And it was only a couple of them that sold sort of metal, hardcore, punk rock, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we was in that record shop and we saw a note on the notice board that said, uh, hardcore vocalist looking for a band. And it was a frog with X's in its eyes. And you, you know, you, you, you cut the phone number, but you write the phone number vertically so you can cut the strips and tear a strip off. So he's teared it off. We called him. We was like, come down and check our band out. And uh, we picked him up and he come down. And um, he was just like... You know, we was all into hardcore at that point, but we didn't have any contacts. Me, Nick and Weymouth didn't have, we didn't leave the rehearsal room. You know, we hadn't left mm-hmm. the rehearsal room. We'd been to the bigger shows, seen Mad Bosses, Sick of It All, things like that. But we didn't know anything about a UK hardcore scene, really, at that point. Then Pierre came along and he knew everyone. He was the complete opposite. He knew everybody in the scene. He had his newsletter going on. He was really involved, you know. We was like, oh, shit. This guy really knows his stuff. And then he let, he was selling records. He was trading stuff with, um, you know, Rick Healy and people like that. And then yeah. um, Elaine out for blood and those guys, you know, those, those all trading stuff with Pierre. So Pierre was like getting hold of stuff in London that wasn't in the record shops. Mm-hmm. So he'd come to the rehearsals and like open up a shop and we'd be his best customers. Me, Danny, Nicky, <laughs> and a couple of guys from Bexley, you know, be like, I'm going to buy this one and buy this one. So that's where we bought our sort of real, at the time, real underground stuff like District 9 and, you know, 25 to Life, things like that. They weren't on big labels. You had to mm-hmm. buy this stuff underground. And um, that was Pierre. And then we were just like, yeah, this guy's a singer. We didn't think he was that great a singer at the time. He was like, uh, yeah, it wasn't. We wanted somebody like like Rick Rodney from Stripe. I wanted that style of voice for our. Yeah. Like, we want to do this. And then he'd come along with, rah, rah, rah. I'm like, oh, no, man, that's not really what we're, what we're looking for. <laughs> He improved. He got better and better, and he worked at it. You know what I mean? And, and he, he had the commitment. That was more important than anything. He really wanted to do it. So we just like, let's do it, man. Let's record some stuff. So I, I, you couldn't deny the way he was connected. Oh, he was connected. I mean, it was down to him really that Knuckle Dust managed to take off in such a small space of time at that time. You know, when I say take off, I mean from a rehearsal room to booking tours, supporting Warzone. You know? Yeah. He was doing that stuff pretty quick. We've been we formed. We started doing Knuckle Dust in like April uh, 1996. And by November 96, we'd recorded and we're opening up for Warzone at the Underworld, you know, as our third show, which is a big gig to get. And a lot of bands wanted that show at that time. But, you know, Pierre putting all the work in got recommended it by a few people. And then we ended up doing that. And when you do a show like that, that early, you tend to get more of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We got on that sort of circuit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember there were like, a lot of shows and even even when we f- first came over to london in 98 there were like a lot of those shows in a couple of years after after not just at the underworld but at the garage too right yeah 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 we did loads of shows there i mean we would we would open up for most touring bands when they come through london mm-hmm. and sometimes manchester scotland whatever it would be us opening up a lot of the time back then we yeah. would just say yes to every show as well mm-hmm. there was no uh, terms you know do you want to play yet what time do you need me and we just go do it yeah you know? But, um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, back then as well, bands really wanted to play London. It was like the desirable place to go on the tour. 
you know. Nowadays, nobody wants to fucking come to London, but <laughs> especially <laughs> Brexit now. There's the last, but we ain't going to see no one anymore. But um, we've got Brexit and a virus and a big sea in between us. So I just think over the years, sort of London, it, it, it's... Well, I know for a fact, you know, I'm not speaking badly of it. I know you, you'll know as well from touring bands talking about London. They hate coming in. A lot of them hate coming to London now. They like yeah. the show, but the whole hassle of it. And, you know, yeah. we tend to get bands now on Sunday night or Monday or Tuesday night. Mm. We get those kind of shows now. It's very rare we get a Saturday night hardcore show in London from a touring band. You know, you'll get them from, you know, the Cockney Rejects will play or, or somebody from the UK will play a Saturday night. But... A lot of the touring bands, why play London to 400 people when you can play Germany to a couple of thousand people? And that's uh, I guess it also depends on what band it is, right? I do see bands do uh, uh, a week of England or like five days, and I guess London's always in there. When you're in the UK for that, for that many days, I mean, it's a given that you do London on a Friday or a Saturday night. Yeah. But I know what you mean. If, if a band comes over just for one show and that's London then yeah then you might you might it might be hit and miss and on the day that you can book them i guess well a lot of them as well if it's american bands a lot of them use london to fly home because it's the cheaper flight back yeah true you know, their, their berlin tour bus will drive them to london and then the next day they're flying home from london so hmm. you end up with the sunday night show or something yeah. like that it's always yeah. it's it's never it's very rare that you get a saturday night hardcore show you know, unless it's a UK hardcore band or it's something organised by a UK promoter in, with UK bands on. But yeah, touring bands, no, it doesn't really happen in London anymore. Mm. Well, let's see what the future brings. You never know, you know. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure bands, I mean, in all honesty, like a band like, like us, I mean, we're not an American touring band, obviously, but a band like us would, you know, like, would always, we would not as enticing anymore as it used to be just because of you know like for mainland bands it's just been unless you're the odd band that it's like super trendy at the moment it's it's hard to do england but um but yeah i don't know i it's i think it's still desirable i mean cities like manchester london it's uh, always used to be good shows even birmingham was always pretty still good are. Yeah, still are. we played birmingham a couple of months ago and it was fantastic um yeah Manchester's still good, you know, that's that's, that's kicking, Glasgow, even Leeds have got their yeah, thing Leeds. up. Yeah, Leeds, yeah. yeah, Temple of Boom. Yeah, so there's, there's um, you know, it's got its spots in the UK, but I, what I mean is, for hardcore, even if you're a US or a European touring hardcore band, the comparison between what we've got here and what you can have in Germany or, you know, on a Saturday night is completely different. Yeah, I, I do think it's the cost of getting here as well. You've got the ferry, all the fuel, all of True. that stuff. It all costs money when True. you know you're probably in Germany and you could drive two hours down the road and play to a thousand people or, or whatever. You know, like you said, depending yeah. on the band, but you're I definitely think not going to play to a thousand people in the UK, no matter who you are. Yeah, but I think it depends on, on on which band you are. You know, I mean, if you're if you're not loose, then um, I'm pretty sure you're doing good in England and you're doing as well, maybe better than you do in in Germany. But if you're, I don't know. Name name a band. I don't know um, a band that is less less trendy or less in the style that people really want to see at that moment. And I I fully agree. It's it it might not even be worth your while, which is sad because I mean London. If you if you look if you look at it, how the crow flies. I mean that's from from here from Essen. That's like a four or five hour drive. I mean I'm probably probably driving to London is probably maybe. Even if I could just if I could just drive it, if there would be no 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 water in between, probably be quicker in London than in Berlin, maybe, maybe the same. 
So, I mean, that's 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 a bit of a pity with all those. And I think Brexit makes it harder. I don't know. I don't know anyone who's who's been over now. And I don't know if they have to fill out extra paperwork for, for bringing backline equipment, merch. I don't know. Yeah, there is. There's, uh, there's a few things we have to do now. Yeah, we need. I mean, for us, we was going to play Sound of Revolution. And um, the only reason we cancelled because you had to have um, two vaccinations and uh, a negative test. Mm-hmm. And Pierre had only had his first vaccination by that point. So <clears throat> we thought that, you know, I'd just been on holiday before that. And it was kind of my fault because I said, no, you, you have one or the other. You could have the vaccines or the negative test. Yeah. For the Netherlands, you had to have both. Mm-hmm. You had to have the two vaccines and the negative test. So we was like, well, we can't play then. Because mm. they announced it like a couple of weeks before we were supposed to go. Uh, that's, that's a hard thing. It's uh, the hard thing as well, right? I mean, all these rules change almost on a monthly basis over here. Yeah. I don't know how it is in, in, in the UK, but over here, you cannot plan anything decently. I mean, when you, if you're not vaccinated, yeah. um, a couple months ago, you could you could just play a show, do a, either a, a, a regular test or a PCR test, and then it was two PCR tests, and you had to be vaccinated. Uh, now, at the moment, it's you have to be vaccinated and have a test. Um, but it all depends, you know. It's it, this this all changed over a matter of half a yeah, year. That's, so that for me is the most frustrating part because you know 2020. I think 2021 was harder than 2020 because for 2020 you couldn't do shit. So. Mm-hmm. You accepted that, you know. Well, I'm going to just take some time out, relax, and it was actually nice. I like the lockdown stuff. Yeah, me too. Breathe <laughs> for a little bit, you know. What I mean, everybody yeah. like looked at their life, and everybody took a, a step back, and it, I thought it was all quite nice. It was, it was for me anyway. I know a lot of people struggled and lost their jobs and all that, so you know, I feel for them. But for me, I was just like, long may it continue, man. I'm quite happy with this. I managed to keep my job. I wasn't spending any money because there was nothing to spend it on. The yeah. pub was shut. So, you know, I did other things. I actually got fit. I went running and all sorts of things that I've never done in my life, never got time to do. So it was good. 2021, you start planning shows. People are saying, oh, do you want to jump on this tour? Do that. Yeah, okay, let's do it. We booked loads of stuff. I had something like 16 shows booked mm-hmm. and cancelled more than half of them because of restrictions, you know, and, and venues closing down. And, the t- I mean, we were supposed to tour with Life of Agony and Dog Eat Dog. And that whole tour got, got cancelled, mm-hmm. got pulled. You know, because they couldn't come over because of the restrictions. And that's more frustrating than having no shows booked, knowing that nobody else has. What's worse is you're working to do all this stuff. This stuff, as you know, you know, you're getting on shows takes work. There's things to do. People have to book time off work and check with your family and do this and do that. You get all of that done and then it cancels three weeks before, a month before. It's just right. The other problem is we ordered merchandise and we, you know, you book things. Yeah. We're booking a bus and we're ordering merchandise and doing all this stuff. and. <laughs> No, I don't. I've got six boxes of merchandise sat there and no shows to play. So, you know, yeah. you know the, the guy at the merch thing still wants his money. You know, yeah, so, true. Yeah, it's, that, that's uh, it's, it's been tough. It's frustrating for that. But. Yeah, that's a fucked up thing. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's. I mean, but hopefully it'll get better after 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 winter. I mean, we. I'm sure we have to get through that first because otherwise it's just. I mean, we got a show here in Essen at the 30th of December. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a two G plus show, which means vaccinated, cured, and um, and a test. Yeah. So I wonder how that'll be, but we'll see. You know. So. Um, well, the thing is, it's hard to get people into hardcore shows anyway. Yeah. So with two tests and a PR, a lot of people are just going to say, "Nah, I'm not coming." You know, yeah. I know that. 
At least I don't need a PCR test here. I think you can just do a regular, like, non-PCR one, you know, like you have these... No, no, you mean the lateral flow uh, thing. Right? Yeah, the, the, the quick test, yeah. Yeah. But even then, you know... I, I it's, actually, that we accept it's here to stay and we all just open doors and get on with it. That's my personal opinion on it now, you know? You yeah, can't yeah. keep shutting down. You can't keep locking down. You can't keep on putting things in place for new variants and new strains. You just It's going to be there. Just get on with it now. People yeah. are going to die. It's going to be like cancer and heart attack. It's going to be one of the things you could die of from now on. So you just get on with it. You try and prevent it as much as you can, and you try and, you know, keep the science and technology moving to try and fight it. But I think for the people like us, the people on the ground, we just have to get on with it now. I agree. Oh, yeah, I fully agree. Hey, but um, going back to, uh, we got a little carried away, but going back to, when you guys started and you got Pierre in the band and you start playing shows, you already mentioned third or fourth show was supporting Warzone, etc. So when you when you start like uh, playing out on the scene in London, what what were the bands that you played with in London? What were the local bands back then? Ah, uh, so I can remember a lot of the shows were Stamping Ground. You know, they were the big draw. Um, and then there was another band called FLS. Um, Nine Bar, obviously, a year later, Nine Bar came along, ninety seven. Um, those kids were always at the show in 96, you know, they were all there. Um, Who was FLS? FLS, they was, around, they was around for five minutes back in the day. Oh, all right, okay. Uh, yeah, they were they, they were very active and they were quite popular. A lot of people wanted to watch them. It was a three-piece band from West London. Uh, they were pretty good, actually, but they kind of came and went very quickly. I'm mm. Not even as a band, just from the scene. I, I never saw them again after the first probably year or two. <laughs> but yeah, then... Um, from us, a nine-bar band started forming, you know, um, left, right, and centre. A lot of the stuff really was from bands from out of town because we would swap a show with them. So we'd, we'd play in Northampton with Freebase and then put Freebase on in London. Yeah. Like, was area effect in Manchester. You know, we'd play out there, they'd play in London, we'd put their show on, they'd put ours. And Public Disturbance in Wales and the guys from Divide in Glasgow. Um, and it was all like a network of people swapping. Then obviously, as the other bands formed in those cities, they contact us, and then we'd say, "Yeah, no problem, we do it again." We swap, swap shows. Mm-hmm. The same with you guys, really. You know, we yeah, you were exactly. in London, and you put us on over in Healing, and uh, and you know, we went to France quite a lot. France was always, still is, I'd say, our, our best place to play. Yeah, we went to France early because Hervé was living in London. Um, it was Hervé from Deadline. He was Gundog as well, but uh, the Gundog guys used to play a lot of us back then. The shows were a lot more mixed. A lot of what we did was punk shows. Because there wasn't a hardcore scene. So a lot of what we did was uh, the making punk a treat again shows in Hackney. There were a lot of squats and stuff like that. Um, there'd be like six crusties there with a dog on them with a piece of string as a lead. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> they used to, um, it was illegal to sell alcohol in these places. So they used to sell you a raffle ticket, right? Yeah. And you took the raffle ticket to the bar and exchanged it for a beer. So that if the place got raided by the police, they said, we didn't sell anyone a beer. We sold them a raffle ticket and they won a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's smart. It's, it's smart. smart. Yeah, it's smart. But yeah, they just used to sell. They had a bar with like optics. It was like a regular bar, normal bar. <laughs> but nobody bought anything from it. You just won. You won a shot of vodka or you won a beer or you won whatever you asked for. You know, that's, oh, congratulations. There you go. There's your beer. That's amazing. <laughs> I want that. Hey. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it was most of, the, most of the stuff going on back then was from um, bands out of London, really, a lot of it was. Um, then it was uh, what was uh, the other band you had up against it? They were from um, Essex, and a lot of the Essex guys, obviously being close to London, played in London as well. So, who, who, was, who was the band with the naked drummer? 
That was a sir. Oh, yes, sir, exactly. Yeah, sir. Yeah, they yeah. was from, uh, where were they, Telford, I think, like near Birmingham. Yeah, I, I, rem- I remember playing with them in the red eye. Yeah. Well, so, there was so, them, and there was uh, Medulla Notte as well. They got quite big at one stage. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the bands were on Household Names at that time, so we had our kind of hardcore scene that was on the back of Household Names, really. Oh, what's, what's, what's his name again? Lil. Lil, yeah. Do you, yeah, do you, is he Is he still around? Not really at hardcore. No, he's still around. They've got, they've got a family now. He, he's still, you know, he's on Facebook. I'm in touch with him. He's mm-hmm. still doing stuff, but it's more punk now. He, he went, he started doing bands like Cat Down, stuff like that. Oh, okay. And he kind of went down that road, stayed, stayed down that road. I think around about when hardcore started getting ugly, whenever we started violent dancing, I think Lil had enough of that. Point, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think one of the last times I've seen him, it must have been 2002 or three or something. Yeah, I haven't seen him for a while. I haven't seen him for a long time. He used I to do a gig uh, before the lockdown. I hardly recognised him. He had a big long beard. And I was oh like, yeah. He said hello. I'm like, who are you? But yeah, he's cool. He's all right. They still do that record store. It, the record store's still there, but he don't do it. Oh. No, it's a guy called Nick doing it now. But actually, I'm, I'm there tomorrow. But yeah, they, they took some of the new Nothing Us records. So if you're in London, go to All Ages Records in Camden. Yeah. And pick up my new record. Pick up a new record. Yeah. Go or, see the Queen. Or just, or just fucking order it. Just order it. You can get it from GSR if you're on the mainland over there. Yeah. GSR Music, I've got some in stock. Or you can get it from us in the UK, knuckledustmerch.com. Yeah. Free, free bit of advertising there. Thank you. www.gsrmusic.com. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's what? the only three places you can get it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it. it at all ages, at using it at, at GSR. Yeah, all all ages GSR, all ages in person. I don't think they're selling it online. They might be. I don't think they are though. Um, we're selling it online and then uh, GSR. All right. Oh, we'll get it to you in a minute. But um, okay. uh, the, uh, I mean, what was the main venue back then in London? You just mentioned for I guess the somewhat bigger bands, the Underworld and the Garage, maybe. But where where did the Underground play? No, yeah, we was putting on shows. Most of the shows back then were at the Standard in Walthamstow or at the Red Eye in yeah. King's Cross or near King's Cross. So yeah. Um, yeah, they were the two main venues, I would say. That was behind King's Cross Station, I think, right? Yeah, was it? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eye. I remember we played we played some shows there. It was uh, always small and cozy in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of photo servicing of that place recently. It's good memories there, man. It was a good, good, good little venue, perfect for a new well, hardcore scene just flourishing, you know, because you could get a hundred people in there and it was full up. Yeah. Well, what, 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 what was uh, she called again that did the sound? Oh, I can't remember. Pierre would know the answer to this one. I can't remember. Because <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember it was always, it was always a woman that did it, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember her name. I can't remember. That was a long time ago, man. You're asking me to think about it. She, she's but, not the same one who used to do... Because I think later on, there was also a woman doing sound at the underworld, right? Or am I, or am I crazy? You, you might be right. Uh, there still is a woman doing sound at the underworld. But it's yeah. not her. It's a different one. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was just, I was just wondering. I was just wondering. Because, uh, no, I saw... Um, the last time we played in the garage, I think was... With Madball and you guys, and uh, I think Dave Courtney introduced Madball on stage. Remember that? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Do you not remember that show? <laughs> oh, no, 
they all blend into one for me these days. But <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me because he, he had the hook up, the hook up through uh, Rancid. They was friends with him, and Steve Whale, wasn't it? Steve Wales is they caught his mate, so yeah, it exactly. Probably Steve brought him to the gig and uh, brought him on, but. Um, but yeah, the, the garage, it's still there, but it's a relentless um, sponsored venue now, Relentless Energy Drink. Oh, is it? They don't do that kind of stuff no more. I've been to a hardcore show at the garage for years. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I think hardcore's in the underworld most of the time now. Yeah. So what do you, like, I mean, uh, no, let me let me ask you, let me, let me start this question differently. Um, back in those days, 98, 99, 2000, like all that era up until like, I, I, I would say like two. 2005 2006 like um well maybe not even that late but let's say to 2003 2004 when bands like us and other bands from the mainland with a similar sound or old schooler or more metal metallic hardcore we used to come to england shows were always great london yeah. was great you used to get a lot of people you used to, especially if you had the possibility to play on a bill with uh with a bigger us band you ended up in the garage or in the underworld um or even in a bigger venue i mean i, I remember we played what was that joint called at tottenham court road again uh Tottenham court road the troll bar no no no, no. across the street from that the big the venue oh, the london astoria in the Astoria, I remember we, we we played there with Black Dahlia Murder and yeah. stuff like that. But um, and it, it was all. But then it was already going kind of. I don't want to say downhill, but it was already lesser for bands um, like us, I guess, from the mainland. And that was quite a it was quite a change because we used to go over to England at one point twice a year. Yeah. And then there came a point where you just couldn't go over anymore because well, you could go over, but you were playing for. 40 50 people at places where you were playing for 200 to a to, to couple of couple of couple of years before and it was just uh just got really rough like um like from your point of view what happened and how how did that you know how was that for knuckle dust yeah i mean yeah i, I would agree i mean it's kind of separated itself didn't it it used to just be the hardcore scene and within that there was mm -hmm. punk skinheads the hardcore guys, metal dudes, like everybody just went to the hardcore shows. Yeah. They were full up with just a mixed bag of, I suppose, like, without sounding corny, they were outcasts, you know, people that didn't go to other shows, didn't do all that kind of stuff. But then, I don't know, it, it separated itself. The punk started going to punk shows. Skinners only went to Skinners shows. And um, as it got big, it sort of got big enough to form its own pockets of shows. And people didn't like the hardcore thing because of the violent dancing and kicking beers out of hands and all this kind of stuff. You know, that was very fashionable around about that early 2000, like you say, to 2005. So a lot of people, you know, there was loads of online fights and e-beef, you know, loads of that going on and people fell out and it kind of took a bit of a dive. Um, I think in our 25-year history, there's been about four or five different moments where I think the scene has dived and dropped off and people have had enough and blah, blah, blah. But it comes back again. It comes mm -hmm. back in a different way. It, it reforms itself, you know. A lot of older heads come back. They miss it, you know, and they come back to to find out Knuckle Dust is still around. Oh, I'll go to a show and then bring some other old friend. I mean, the the, the hundred club the other day was mostly people over forty. <laughs> you know, a yeah. lot of people we haven't seen for years just come to see us because that's twenty fifth anniversary, and that was pretty much full up in there. And that's a three hundred capacity venue. Um, but yeah, I just think round about that two thousand, it was when people started forming. There was more promoters. There was more venues at that time as well. Um, you know, you could go to four hardcore shows in a week and there'd be four completely different crowds. 
of people mm. that you'd never met, you know. And then you had that kind of, um, what would I call it? Like, I used to call them Black Hair Brigade, but they had the, the fringe going on, you know, those yeah. kind of hardcore kids, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was loads of that in London then, man. It was like everywhere. And these guys wanted to play their own shows, you know. So they'd go there and everybody at that show would have that look. But I'd go to those shows. I'd go to the straight edge shows. I'd go to the more punk rock shows. And I'd go to, you know, the LBU type shows, if you like. And there would be four different crowds at those shows, you know. So we used to make a point of when we played, trying to put a band from each of those scenes on our billing. You know what I mean? To, to mix yeah. the crowd up again. Mm-hmm. But what we found when we did that, people just didn't come to the show. They're like, I want yeah. to see you when you're playing with someone better. So it didn't yeah. work. It's just like, oh, man, how do, you, how do you do this? And it's still like that now, I think. It's still, if you don't put the right package together, people just won't come to the show. They're just like, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy how that turned out because I, I come exactly from that uh, starting point of view where you come from. You know, like we started playing, or when I got into when I got to into punk and hardcore. Period. Um, it was it was a mixed bag. It, ju- yeah. it just was what it was because it just wasn't big enough. If you wanted to do your own thing, you were at a show with ten people. That was what it was. So people came to came to all these shows that just had an alternative or hard vibe about them. You know, and yeah. um, it's exactly what you're saying. It split. It split off at a certain point when things were big enough. But it's also the death of things because when people then start falling off, you know, like you're actually just left with maybe 30, 40, 50 people, and well, you know, it becomes becomes very limited and it becomes it, it shrinks itself down again, which some people may think is great, but I think it's greater if you just have a full on show in a 300 people value and everybody's having fun and it's full, but it's, uh, it, it, it kind of sucks because, um, you guys as an older band, I mean, you say London, that, that is, we, we just see a lot of older heads coming back, but how is that if you play out in the rest of the country? Um, what you mean now or yeah, now, yeah, I'd or, say or now. Let, let's say when that started as of that point. Yeah, um, I'd say the same. It's it's weird that kind of what what would we be? I suppose the kind of hardcore we do has got its own crowd, and fortunately for us, that's pretty pretty big over here. Mm-hmm. Pretty, you know, we can get a decent crowd, and and bands you know just similar to us that play the same kind of music would get fairly decent shows. But again, it depends where you you could have gone to a place. I'm not going to name names because people are going to get upset if I say their town, but you could go somewhere 20 years ago where the scene was kicking. Like you go there and you play to two or 300 people. You go there now and you play to 10 people, you know, so scenes came and go in different towns. You know, I remember heading out West to Yeovil to the ski lodge once and we played there. You know, who goes to Yeovil? You know what I mean? Yeah, but that used, to, that used to be a really great place to play. That was a great place to play. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been any that. Out that way for a long time. And they do stuff in Bristol now, of course, but, you know, that that was a, a case in point. You know what I mean? That was a good scene at that time, but it sort of exploded for three or four years and then was got went away in the next moment. And that's that's really common in the UK to have pockets of scenes open up and and then go away really quick. I mean, I remember Cambridge being a really good place to play. You know, they had a big punk and hardcore scene there, and then that just kind of died overnight. And so, do you feel England become is becoming a little bit, or has become uh, over the years more like? The US, where like a lot of kids are very quickly into something and then move on to something else. Because- oh, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's always been the case. Even London hardcore, you know, it's 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 changed faces. You know, there's all, obviously 
a crux of people that have been there for years. You know, there's a load of people that have been there and been going to shows and people that are dedicated and been doing it for a long time. And we're lucky in London to have that. You know, we've got a good foundation of people in, in you know, Ruction Records crew and LBU and the Ready Eye Collective. You know, all these guys have been doing this stuff for years. So they're always there. They're always going to be there. But aside from that, there's new people all the time. I, I, I'll go to a show in London now and I don't know half the people anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? But the shows are well attended in London now. It, it, London yeah. at the moment is in a good place. Mm, good. You know, shows good. are good at the moment. Shows are well attended. Even during the, you know, when we come out of lockdown and stuff like that, the virus, they did the UK hardcore returns thing and all these shows were full up. You know, they're all really well attended. So right now it's got a good mix of old and new. So um, how do you, so, so how do you, uh, as Knuckled Us, Uh, I mean, there's this is there's a lot of new bands, like maybe maybe not bands that are just one or two years old, but there's this whole um, uh, what's been dubbed new wave of British hardcore bands. You know, like it's all those bands, you know, bands like Big Cheese and all those bands, uh, which I quite like a couple of uh, actually uh, a lot. But uh, how does that? I guess those are more like kids that are uh, a bunch younger than you guys, and bands that are especially a, bu a bunch younger than you guys. Uh, How, how does that fit in? You play with those bands or is that, is that a scene in itself or how does that work in, in the UK? No, we play with them. I mean, it happens from time to time. It, it, I mean, the thing with London now, you've got different promoters as well that do different styles of bands on their billing. Yeah. So they do get together sometimes and mix the bills up. But it's quite difficult to do because of what I said before. If you mix it up too much, people don't want to go because it's just like, I'm not going to pay, say the ticket's 30 quid and you only like Even three bands on that bill. Even even when it's bands like bands like that that are very extremely similar in sound to you guys though. I know, yeah, yeah, but it's I don't know, it, it's it is a bit like that. It can be separated, so you've got to try and mix it up to the point where it's going That's to work. That's bad. Yeah, because but, I, I mean I, I can see it when you try to when you try to get more of a punkier band on or more of an oyish band or a band that is like really metal influenced that that might be too much for people, but a band that sounds really hardcore and really is like. Let's say 70s, 80%, basically the basis of that sound is what the basis of you guys is. Then that, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see the problem with that, you know? No, we did a show in Newport a couple of weeks ago and we played with like Pizza Tramp, who are like a kind of fast, they sound like a fresh metal punk band, you know? Um, and then we played with, um, with the Oppressed yeah. on the same bill. You know, they're just oi, straight up oi. Yeah, yeah. Minds, all that kind of stuff. And then we played after them. So that bill was really mixed. And that was a good day out. You know, that was oh, in, uh, down in Newport, down in Wales, South Wales. So that, it can be done. It can be done. You can do it. But um, I just don't see a bill like that happening in London. I don't think like knuckle dust in the business or something like that would play together. It just, I don't see it happening anymore. I don't do see. You, do you think like mixed bills like that is more for smaller towns and, 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 and villages? As opposed to yeah. the, the the bigger trendy cities where there's like a trendy scene for something and the trendy yeah. or the trendy or people that belong to a scene just go to their scene. Yeah, exactly. But the, the big cities are spoiled, aren't they? They're spoiled with bands. They've got more people, so there's more bands, there's more tours coming through. So they can be more selective about their shows. But like you say, if it's a smaller village type place, they're probably just happy to have a night out. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to go to the show. And that, it's those kind of shows you get a lot of fights as well, but... It wasn't I always like that place in Huddersfield. I don't know what it's uh, what it's called anymore. But, uh, I've been, to, been there a couple of times in Marble. That's a nice little place. I've never been there. Attached to the pub. It's quite good. 
nice pub too. But whatever. That's just know. just me rambling. Uh, no, I think it's good in London. I'm not, I'm not putting it down. It is good at the moment. And there are bands like, you know, uh, Chubby and the Gang and the Chisel and people like that that are more punk, more, you know, yeah. Chubby doing that sort of 70s punk rock. Um, what would you call it? Garage rock? I don't know. Something yeah. like that. But then you got you got the guys doing the punk and oil and they're playing with hardcore bands. And, you know, those younger guys are mixing up their sound. And I love that now at the moment because, yeah. for me, stuff started to just sound the same all the time. Every band coming out. Oh, it just yeah. sounded like a. It was just a, a tough guy, like mushy metal stuff all the time, and I was just like, "All right, cool. I've heard enough of that now, though. Mm. I want something different." And uh, all this this stuff that these younger guys are doing it's refreshing for me. Mm. And I think knuckle does get the support we get because, you know, I've always said this: I'm not in competition with anyone. You know, this isn't a competition. If it's a competition, we all exactly. lose. You know yeah. what I mean? There is no winner. So yeah, there's no there's no reason to. Yeah, any of them younger bands, if I can help them out, I'll help them out without even thinking about it. You know, if there's something, I can't tell you how to how to make it because I haven't made it. But I can tell you what not to do. I can tell you all the fuck ups I've made. You know <laughs> what I mean? I can put you in touch with the people that are going to rip you off. And I can put you in touch with the people that are going to do you a good show. And if there's yeah, any dude. festival I've ever played, then ask me for the contact. I'll give you the contact because all that sort of stuff is what I really wanted when I was younger and I couldn't get. Yeah. So I'll make it more accessible. And the same with Wayne. I know Pierre helps out bands all the time. And with Ruction Records, you know, they give people their first show and they put their first record out and then mm-hmm. they leave them and go on to big labels. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's what it's always been for us. It's always been that if we can help a band out, we'll help them out. I don't care if you're brand new to it or you've been doing it for 10 years. If, if there's something we can give, you know, we're not trying to make it no more. We're just trying to get free beer. You know what I mean? So <laughs> if I can help you make it, then I'll help you. Yeah. No, you're that's right. And that's, and, 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 we and, get. that's what we get because we're not trying to – I could quite easily say I don't want to play with them, you know, these new kids coming in. Who do they think they are playing punk rock? You know what I mean? I haven't got that attitude. I'm like, actually, this sounds refreshing. I like this. Yeah. this and, cool. why, and why would you? Like that, the band you mentioned, The Chisel, I really like them. That's yeah. like good band. Yeah, they're good cool. Band. And, yeah. and the scene needs a band like that. The scene needs bands like Chubby and the Gang, you know? Yeah scene needs these new straight edge bands that are coming through and you need all this stuff you need to keep this stuff going keep it moving of course uh, you need uh, you fresh. need to you need to keep yeah you need to keep it fresh but you need to keep it you know like there has to be there has to be a, a variety in in things it's like you said you know at one point uh also when i look back at the, the builds we used to play on around the turn of the century i could tell you it was always a mixed bag of uh, Focal Press, Born from Pain, Length of Time, Crawl Space, uh, Trapped in Life, and two, three other bands, and that 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 lineup would be more or less every week and everywhere. And then there were a couple other bands you played with. At one point, I love all those bands, but at one point I got so sick of sick of that. And they would have like, got sick of it too. Yeah, of course. And yeah. that's the thing, you know, like you you want you want to you want to have it mixed, but you know, it's it's back at, back in those days also over here, you know, it started splitting up like youth crew bands and 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 more heavier bands didn't play with each other anymore and but it, it, it's 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 also in a way that's that that's the fault of the people that um not maybe the bands, but s- some of the people people that come uh, come to look at the bands as well. You know, they they just very make it blatantly clear that they don't want to support a band that's too heavy or a band that's too youth crew or a band that's too melodic sounding because that's not their thing. And I think that's mainly due to people being, you know, they're young and they they they're really enthusiastic uh, uh, about something. And sometimes that like I mean. I don't. I don't want to say I was different. Maybe I was the same. I. I. I don't even remember. But 
you're into something so much, you just want that thing at that point in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And right. I and I can and I can kind of understand it, but it's 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 not. Then it's up to the older people in the scene to say, "Hey, guys, that's not the way it works. You know, we all should stick together. We all have to help each other out to keep this growing and flourishing and keep it strong." You know. Yeah, we used hey. to every single billing over there when we came. There'd be like ten bands on the bill, all like tough guy bands. I'm gonna kill you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we had to watch that, you know, <laughs> yeah. five hours before we played. And in the end, we were just like, oh man, you know, these bands are cool, they're good, but not every time, all the yeah. time. Yeah. And by yeah. the time I went on, I was physically and emotionally drained. I didn't want to play no more. In amongst all of that, you know, it's cool to have those bands, but in amongst all of that, I wanted to hear a punk band. I wanted to hear a. Yeah. A fresh metal band, something like Municipal Waste Sound, or something, you know, break up the sound of the festival. For me, I know some people that probably would have been saying, No, I don't want that. I just want to hear bands go all day long, you know. But for me, it was just torture. Yeah. And I like that music. I like that sound. I like what those bands were doing. But it was just, it started to be like one very long record. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But that all comes back again to the thing where. Um, at some point, putting on mixed bills, mixed bills was just not a thing anymore. It would be counterproductive. Where you thought we're doing everybody a favor, everybody will support this. It became more of a thing. Why would I go watch this band with Born for Pain or Knuckle Does Now when I can see him with all the bands I like that sound exactly the same like them? And I get for those fifteen pounds or ten pounds, I get all those bands instead. Now I have to sit through. Born from Pain, Knuckle Dust, and two youth crew bands, and then I get to see my band. You know, I yeah. it's it's it, it just it just changed like that, and that's it's it's a pity. But I mean, everybody will now say, but we I, I think we're already gone through this. But everybody will tell you now, like you you got to pay, you got to put on a, a bill, or when you want to go on tour, you got to put on a package that is mostly more similar in your style to for it to be successful. And I yeah, think that's yeah. a pity because I would love to go on tour with bands with with two or three bands that sound completely different you know but that's just not a thing anymore that's what I loved about the um, the Persistence tours because they were always quite mixed in their bands and sounds you know but but those bands were already fairly big a lot of the time so you could afford to do that because each band would be a ticket puller yeah people would go to see one or two bands on that bill so it's different when you're doing it at our level it's 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 different people just want it's just like no I don't see them you know so. Yeah, plus the thing like position stores just become a thing. That's a one one time in a year event that you just go to because you see all your your friends that 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 used to be into hardcore that come out for that one show a year. You know, yeah, that kind all, of thing. They're all parents now, so they they get a one day pass. Yeah, you know I mean? so exactly. You get, to, you get to see all your mates, but they leave halfway through the headline band because they're tired. They need to go to bed. Yeah, um, you're, you're you're a husband now too, so uh, you know yeah, you, you, you got to be careful with that as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's with me normally, so. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm guess like, right, guess I'm I ain't going nowhere. I'm with my friends. Okay, we'll stay. Well, I, I, ho- I hope you tell her that she can't drink then, so she can drive. No, she don't drive. Oh, I she driving. She does the drink. Things have changed, Bob, man. I, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm the sober one driving home now with a drunk wife in the passenger seat. You should sign a prenup where it says that you can drink, you know? Yeah, no, you have to. We'll only go through with the, the wedding upon the, upon the completion of your driving test. 
<laughs> yep, yep. Hey, so, uh, so, so, so you, so you go a couple of years on, um, and uh, then you meet Theo and GSR because yeah, well, we met Theo actually the first time was at the Door Festival. Um, he had a, a, a stall there, you know, selling the CDs, yeah, yeah. and me and Nicky was talking and just saying, "Oh, I like that band. Oh, this band's fucking shit. Who's this out here rubbish? This shit." And he just started laughing and. Uh, he was just like, you guys are English. Yeah, yeah, we got talking, blah, blah, blah. Then we told him, like, oh, we're knuckle dust. And he's like, oh, I've got your CD. And he was selling it. And we was quite excited because our CD was being sold in the mainland. And we was like, whoa, yeah. where'd you get that? Like, oh, I got them from Lil Hassel Names or something like that anyway. But yeah. he had to sign a couple of the CDs on the stand and blah, blah, blah. And then um, we just kept in touch. And then we did the first album on Blackfish Records. with uh, was a split with Blackfish and Ruption mm-hmm. with Ian Glasper. And that was a really good record. That done us really well, but it didn't really do much on mainland Europe. It did a kind of around Belgium, around, you know, the, the, the side closest to England, but it didn't hit Germany at all. It didn't really do much down there. So we really wanted to go on a European label. And um, I reached out to Theo. She said, she fancy doing something with nothing does. And he was like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it straight away. You know, actually, I think you did. I think I reached out to you. So can you speak to Theo? Yeah. <laughs> I did it that way around because I wouldn't have known him well enough to ask him to put our band on. So I think I did. I think I spoke to you or something. You put, you said I'll speak to him because you. I was think, I, think, I, think I, I think I put you guys in touch. Like, or you guys were in touch, but I think uh, I said, "Hey, these guys are really interested in doing something." And he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well, I think they're a good band and they're willing to come and play." You know, and he's yeah. like, "I really like those guys too." And I think it was a was a goal from that. I think didn't he? Weren't you guys over here and he invited you to come talk? Or something? Yeah, he did, yeah. We went and met yeah. up with him and um well, you know what he's like. We were just like, Yeah, let's do it straight away. So at first it was just um putting out an album on his label, putting out a CD. We did the Universal Struggle record with GS yeah. Time Gangstyle Records, wasn't it? Um, yeah. we did it with him and that went really well. That that really got us heard on the mainland. That was the mm-hmm. record that got us heard over there. You know, people started listening to us at that point and we got more show offers and more things started coming through. Really well. I mean we went from 96 to sort of 2000 having only played France you know there's barely any anything going on over there for us we just couldn't get it we couldn't make it happen so once the GSR put the record out more started happening and we got invited on festivals and all sorts of cool stuff to do then off the back of that obviously the record sold quite well so Fia was like do you want to do the second album so he was like yeah let's do it so we did the second album but by then now you know the four of us were working day jobs and touring mainland Europe and you know <laughs> taking sick days from work, doing all kinds of things to just keep it going with the band, but trying to hold your job down. So, you Wrecking know. your company car on the mainland. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. I used to, my, my company car was our tour bus. It was uninsured as well. It was uninsured for the UK. I had a crash yeah, in Berlin. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. I, I, it was really heavy snow in Berlin and uh, the car slid down a, a hill and hit the curb and it buckled the wheel. Oh, and God. I drove all the way home from Berlin with a buckled wheel, no insurance. And uh, got it back to the company the next day and said I did it on the way into work on the on the North Circle around London. <laughs> I said I hit the brick on the way to work. It's buckled the wheel. And I, oh, I'll get it into the garage. We'll pay for it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and luckily, no one was checking the mileage. But um, yeah, so I was just like at that point, honestly, I, I would say I was ready to quit. I'd had enough. It was so busy and doing so much, and I just thought. And I was also doing at that time as well. I was doing Deadline and the business. So I had three bands on the go and a job. And um, I was like, oh, fuck this. And I think Theo sensed it. I don't know, but Theo met with us again and he's like, what about 
if I do the whole management thing. I'll be your manager. So we'll be the record label, but we'll keep that separate. He said, I'll drive you guys. I'll pick you up in the van. I'll do your merchandise. I'll do everything. And we'll just work out, you know, paying him for it as a cost and then split the money, you know, however we can to hope make sure it covers for the bus and blah, blah, blah. So we was like, All right, yeah, let's do that. And that really, I think, honestly, at that point, him offering that kept us going at that point. Mm-hmm. Because I definitely wasn't going to carry on doing it like that. I was killing myself. And yeah. uh, I was like, no, I can't do it, man. I was so stressed. It was horrible. So at that point, Theo took on all of that stuff. And all we had to do was make our way to Calais, um, you know, with our instruments. And all the rest of the stuff was already there in the van. We parked the car in Calais. Theo, Theo would pick us up, drive us around the tour, do the merchandise, or have someone, you know, he'd have his wife, Rox, doing the merch, or whoever it was in the past, Johan or Elko, whoever it was. Somebody doing a merch, he would drive. And that was perfect. That was a good setup for us. Um, and that went on for about probably uh, probably something like 12 years, 13 years, something like that. We did mm. that together with him. And then bloody Madball come along and stole him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, you know. No, he, 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 we, you know, if I'm honest, we didn't, we couldn't do as much. The guys yeah. have got children. Um you know, I, I moved down to Brian. None of us live in London anymore, apart from Nicky. So yeah. it was harder and harder for us to do shows. You know, Pierre's doing shifts. Mm-hmm. Nicky's a paramedic with the NHS now, so he's doing shift work. So we really don't do a lot of shows anymore. And for Theo to get the opportunity of doing Madball, we fully supported it. Because, like, well, look, you're never going to pay your bills working with Knuckle Dust. Never. So if you get the opportunity to work Madball, you take it with both hands, you know what I mean? Because they're just a lot busier. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that, I think that's the main thing, right? They're 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 more frequent, more busy. Yeah, yeah. And then we stopped, um, you know, we, we stopped working with GSR Music probably for the same reason that if you put enough on this album out, we're not gonna work work like dogs to promote it like we used to. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not in our. Um, don't get me wrong. If somebody did put an album out, I would work to do the promotion like the new record we just did. We worked hard trying to get that thing going, you know, in a pandemic, but. Um, <laughs> I think what it, well, I think from Theo's point of view, it's just it's a big investment now to 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 lay out for CDs and vinyl and the studio and all of that. It's very hard to get that money back these days. Yeah, you know, the band is going to really push and work and spend weeks on the road and stuff like that, and we just wasn't. So we're friends. I talked to him. I spoke to him yesterday. You know, we still talk. We didn't fall out. There was no bad blood. None of that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, no big statement required. We just did it. We just you know. He went his way, we went ours, and we're still friends. He still, we still work with him. You know, we still have to get the records from him, and we're still in touch, and we still support him. If he needs help, he knows where the phone is, and then yeah. vice versa. I, I've reached out to him for help with the new record and things I didn't. I was going to say, I mean, he's distributing the new record, right? Isn't he? Yeah, he's distributing it. He's helped me out with a few things with the pressing plant and blah 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 and stuff like that. So, you know, because he's done it before, and I've never done it. So we put that record out ourselves, and I asked mm-hmm. him a bit of advice here and there, and he helped out. So yeah, it's all good. It's all good. He's yeah. doing good out of it. We're doing good out of it. What is happening? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's like you're saying. I mean, everybody's getting older. Like you said, all the other guys got kids. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we would like to do another album. I mean, not not anytime soon. I, I would say something like maybe 2023, uh, record something. But you know, we'd look at. I wouldn't do it myself again. Fuck that. The stress that caused. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just we've, don't we've tried that once I'm never doing that again <laughs> yeah yeah we recorded five songs and, um, and oh man just I don't know how these guys do it man just like getting artwork together getting the, I mean the pressing plant we, we wanted the record out before our show in July mm. and we recorded it in April sent it straight to press and they said it should be ready by Christmas time we're like what 
Yeah. It takes two weeks or something. No. It's like, no, and, and, and it takes the same amount of time to press a record as it does to make a baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and it's and it's even more at the moment. I think I, I've I've heard about bands that that get or pressing plants that that have a waiting waiting time of eleven to twelve months now. Well, I was fortunate because I'm friends with the guys at the pressing plant. I won't say because they don't want me to, but yeah, they they managed to squeeze it in earlier because it was only a small run as well. It was just a little limited thing we wanted to do. We recorded in the lockdown because you know there was nothing to do. Uh, sorry, not in the lockdown. When we come out of the lockdown, Wayne wrote the songs demoed in the lockdown. And then we went and recorded them once everything opened up. And then we just put this record out just because really it happened because there was a pandemic. Mm. You know, we just had these songs and we're like, all right, let's just put them out ourselves. Let's just do it as a limited edition vinyl. Blah, blah, blah. So we did it. I'm proud of it. It worked out in the end. The package looks really cool and people seem to like it. It's going well. Um, but um, no, never again. If there's a label out there that wants to sign us, <laughs> hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. We'll talk to you. Are you, are you kidding me? I bet I bet there's a bunch of labels that wanted to knuckle us. Well, nobody's reached out, so there you go. We're we're, we're labelless. We're unemployed, labelless uh, parents. So we need <laughs> Un- you. unemployed. Yeah, you're unemployed. You you're the only one who always kept up uh, a steady job, didn't you? Yeah. Or, well, or, uh, or did the other guys as well? No, they all did. Um, I mean, in the early days, Nicky wasn't really working much. Pierre would hop from job to job. Yeah. Didn't really yeah, like he would that. quit a job yeah. to go on tour, you know, and then try and find a new job when we got back. And I was the same, you know, I would always do a tour and it worked, said, oh, well, you're not going to take the time off, I'd quit, you know. So, but I was fortunate in the earlier days that I had a boss that was like, no, you can just go and do it, don't worry. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you go do your thing, there'll always be a job here for you, don't worry. So sometimes I did it unpaid, like to tour unpaid. When mm. we did that first persistence tour, that cost us so much money, man. That, mm. that broke us as a band. You know, it was, uh, I didn't, none of us got paid for our work at that point. And then uh, we lost we'll money. Set to, on the we'll set it we'll towards suicidal. Yeah. 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 We opened that tour. They called us the Doors because we was on the same time as the Doors every day. So oh, fuck, uh, I remember that, yeah. One of the shows, I think the, the show in Italy, we had to go on while the bands were still eating. It's it was ridiculous. On the dance floor with the table set up and the food and everything. We was halfway through our dinner and the guy's like, you have to go on there. I was like, but... There's no crowd. The doors are not even open. He's like, I know, but you have to go on now or you can't play. So we played for like 20 minutes while the, the, our audience was all the other bands were Suicidal, Madball, Ignite, Length of Time. And they was just like, shut the fuck up, I'm trying to eat. Yeah, I mean, what? That is, that is, is that even worth playing though? That's crazy. Well, the thing is, it's like, we did discuss that. We're not even going to go on. But then I just thought, I didn't want to upset MAD. I probably wouldn't have. Now I know I'm a bit better. I didn't want to upset, you know, MAD by refusing to play, or I didn't want to be a drama queen either. If they've got our time allotted to play, then just play. You know, we yeah. Just, we but that, w- that, yeah. that would that wouldn't have even been drama. That would have just been, hey, there's people eating here, yeah, <laughs> and no, there's no. no audience. Who the fuck cares? I'll tell you, you know? something. It was embarrassing. I mean, they had big tour buses, and we had our little van trailing behind everyone, and it had a sofa in the back that was screwed to the floor. And um, <laughs> oh man, that tour. But to be fair, those bands, it was good for us in a way that we got to know those bands and then later on you could tour with them individually and play with them, uh, you know, with those bands. And the guys on the tour, um, they had two spare beds on the buses, so we would alternate, you know, who stayed on the bus with our group of five or six that was there. We had um, Gerwin, Irwin, G-Unit, he was with us driving that one. So, you know, I'd drive one day and then he would sleep on the bus or vice versa. Everybody got a bed every other night on the bus. 
and if he didn't, then he slept on the floor of the van. So, yeah, it was good. It was it was good for that. But yeah, it just um, you know when people talk about money, now, it winds me up because I think for 15 years we was losing money. I was getting paid and pouring it into knuckle dust. You know what I mean? For, for a long time. And um, I know yeah, exactly so, what you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. People don't see that though, do they? They just see you on stage for a half hour. You know, look at those guys. That's lucky playing these shows all the time. But they don't yeah. see really a lot of people don't see the the process, what goes on behind. It's a lot yeah. of shit. You know? Yeah, people 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 don't realize that before they pay you a thousand bucks somewhere, or maybe one and a half thousand bucks, that you've been losing money for ten years, and that you've put so much money in that you probably can't even earn back when you you know when you when yeah. you make those kind of that's it's just insane. And then there's I still people that that complain. Yeah, the money thing in hardcore, like in punk, in all the other scenes, you expect to get paid. Everybody gets paid. It's, it's, it's a normal thing. But in hardcore, it's yeah. like nobody's allowed to make money. The bands yeah. are not allowed to make money. Everybody makes money in hardcore apart from the bands. Yeah, you know? oh, that's true. When you can sell beer, the merchandise guys print the shirts, they get paid. You know what I mean? The sound man gets paid. The lighting engineers get paid. Everybody gets paid apart from the fucking band. So we was just like, right. You know, it got to a point where I said, You know, when people ask how much do you want for a gig, I say, how many people do you expect at the show? I'll do it that way, you know? Mm. If they say, oh, because Theo used to deal with it for a long time, and you'd get these people who ask you, can you come and play my show in so-and-so village somewhere? Okay, cool. How many people are you expecting? Oh, last year we had 500 people. Oh, cool. How much are the door tickets? They're 20 euros a ticket. Okay. So you've got 5,000 people, yeah, times 20. So we're saying, all right, so you've got 100 grand on the door. Oh, no, so, yeah, 100 grand on the door, yeah? All right, well, you know, we'll do it for a grand. We'll be kind here. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, we were thinking of giving you 300 euros. So what are you going to do with the rest of the money? Yeah. You've got 500 people paying 20 quid. Yeah, I know. Right? 500 it's... people, there's this 10 grand on the door. You've got 500 people, you're telling me that they would all come to see my band. It would definitely sell out. And then now yeah. I ask for money, you're like, oh, no, I don't think, no, there probably won't be 500 this year. Probably more like 100. I would not want to come all that way to play to 100 people. I'm just going to do it in fucking... You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Be real with me, man. Like, if you're going to make money, make money. I've got no problem with it. But we're all making money or we're all losing money together. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not no, in exactly. money. I'm not in it to make money. But, you know, that's not my drive. No, but if, the, but, if, but, if, the, but if if it's like you say, if there's 300 people at the door paying 15 bucks and someone wants to just just mug you off with, like, 500 quid... Then yeah. that that is that is that is not what you're supposed to do. That's not being. That's not. That's not cool. You know. And I mean, I've, 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 I've seen I've seen I've seen promoters over the years that I like that and get away with it for a certain amount of time and tell bands, you know, like uh, find out. I know one wants to book wants to be, play at the venue anymore, but uh, it's like you said, it's generally accepted that everybody gets a piece of the pie, and yeah. the band is always the one that has to. Uh, You are the one that has to do the the, the 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 morally hardcore right thing, and not get that money. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, and, and the whole thing is, if you wouldn't play the show, there would be no one, anyways. Now, yeah. I'm not saying just for you, but I mean, if someone if someone says to me or to you, yeah, we want you to headline this show, and there's a couple of local bands, and obviously they're they're expecting you to pull in the people, you know. Yeah. So. And hey, I honestly, I'm, I'm on your page. I have no problem at all. Like I, I go out playing because I want to play. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making a huge amount. I'm not making a huge amount. I'm hardly making any money with the band. So, uh, not even, not even now. So, I'm like, if I do it for the money, I'd rather stay home. So I do it because I like it. And if you tell me, hey, we gotta, we gotta really 
we got a really cool venue, holds a hundred people. I can only pay you guys this amount of money. Um, th- that's the max I can pay because I have to pay the venue this and blah 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 blah. But it's going to be one hell of a show. Well, then I can decide if I want to go. Yes or no, you know. But, yeah, but at least be fucking honest with me. Not go like, uh, you know, like um, you can have five hundred euros and you go to the show. Show sold out, and then they go like all of a sudden there's this whole list of things. I had to pay for socks for his grandma and the batteries yeah. and his dad's remote control for the TV. Yeah. You know, that is all part of the show. You know. Yeah, exactly. And also, from our point of view, it's so difficult for us now to play shows because because of Nicky's job, because of uh, you know Pierre's job, Weimer's you know obviously got family and stuff like that. So when we want when we play a show, we want to make it count. So like yeah. I said, money has never been the driver, but the show I want it to be the best show we've ever played because we've all taken a massive effort to be there. These yeah. days. it's not nobody's quitting their job to play shows no more. You know, we're forty-five yeah. year old men, so it's like. We'll take the time out of our holiday. We'll take time that these guys could have spent with their kids, but they're not. They're going to spend it playing a show, but it's got to count. So um, we're, we're more selective about the shows we play now. You know, It's a bit like if I'm going to take a day off work to drive somewhere, I'm going to have to be sort of um, be sure it's going to be a good show. Yeah. Or yeah, at least it's- enjoyable or with a, a, a people that we know or someone we've been before we like or somewhere new to go that we've never been. Something like yeah. that. But yeah, it has to be. I mean, we get offered quite a lot of shows. I turned down way more shows than we got. We can't play any shows until June next year now. Because yeah. Nicky's not available. So Nicky's like, you know, get a standing bass player and do all these shows we're getting offered. But we just don't want it. We want to do it with the four of us when we can. Yeah, I, re- I respect you guys a lot for that because when I look at us, we, we've not been doing that. Like, we, we like... I, I, I respect if there's one band I respect a lot for doing that is you guys. I mean, you guys been this unit since the beginning, and yeah, granted here and there there has been someone else for for a, for a, just a split second, but you guys always been before you, and yeah. we we never we never did that. Like when 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 we got all these offers and everything and uh, these tours and etc. The there's, there, we always came to a point where there's one or two people that said after I mean we we did we did two tours in a year that was one was five weeks and the other was six uh, it was seven weeks well I guarantee you after that a couple of people started leaving they were like I can't do this no more you know like this is too much even though they were getting paid some money but it, it does a way up to the being away from home and not seeing your friends uh, you, you you know you, you your girlfriend is starting to question your, the relationship etc etc uh, your buzz at work is going to go like well you know uh i might release you because uh and, and people are getting older you know and, and i totally understand so it's kind of yeah. it i mean that's why you guys the four of you that you're still doing it i understand it i i could i could do it more now than i could i could see myself now declining shows and say no i want to do it in my lineup like we got now because we feel comfortable and this we have a uh after all these years we got a really good lineup um luckily with like we always we were always lucky we always circled back to people that used to be in the band yeah i know yeah yeah yeah. we we got stefan in the band again surveys playing in the band again and so it's it's with me it's 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 actually Three out of five people that were there when we when we recorded Reclaiming the Crown. So I mean, it's 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 come around, you know. This is people. <laughs> in, in case of Stefan, he uh, he got kids, he raised kids, and then he came back. That that's how long his fucking band's been in existence. So the thing is, it's 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 kind of crazy, but um, that's cool though. I, I thought cool. no, it is cool, but I, I I understand what you guys are doing too. That you guys more often than not said hey if if nikki or um uh, uh or Wema or whoever can't do it then we just won't play the show 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it, it is, you know, it is good. I mean, that's our loyalty to each other, I suppose. But in a way, that holds us back as well. So I'd like yes. a bit more of what you did. I'd like to be able to say, right, if those three can't do it, I'll get three other people to do it and I'll hit the road with those guys. And mm. and then I would have done way more shows in the past. I'd have done some cool packages. You know, we turned down a lot of cool tours. We turned mm. down a lot of cool um, shows because one of us couldn't do it. So I'm sure. Been, we just turned down the tour. And then when you do that a few times, the tour booking agencies don't take you seriously anymore. Yeah, true. So that definitely happened to us. I know that. So, um, you know, it, our loyalty to each other is also our, our drawback as well. I mean, right now, like I say, we can't play any shows till June. Now, we could get offered tomorrow a really cool show, and we've got to turn it down. Yeah. And we so what, what is what is what is what is the in your eyes the the, the coolest thing you ever had to turn down because of that? A tour, a three week tour, of sick of it all. Yeah. That perfect for us, and that was years ago. You know, around about the start of it all. Um, actually, that was a different reason. We turned that down because we already accepted a tour with the business. So we went on tour with the business in the early days. Yeah. And um, Mickey and Steve asked us to come on tour, and then we got offered the Sick of It All tour. And we turned it down because we didn't want to let the business down. Uh, but I was gutted about that because the business tour was uh, rough, man. That was <laughs> for us back then. You're talking about, you know, early R 2000s. Rough, rough in one way. Rough in that people wanted to kill us every night because they just oh, yeah? didn't want to see hardcore or they were football hooligans. The business were going through that thing where, um, you know, like the, 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 the racist crowd had already smashed up one of their shows and they'd sort of walked away from all of that stuff. They'd spoken out against it and went down their road. And so that brought with it a lot of fucking problems, you yeah. know, um, Nazis and stuff like that wanting to smash their shows up in them days. So we went on tour at that moment and we got black guys. So, <laughs> so it was interesting, you know what I mean? And then some of the nights, you know, we, we got, we, a couple of the nights were really like proper sort of football hooligans, not even skinheads really. These were just like casual dudes just coming up Yeah. Wanting to pick us in, and it's point moments like that you sat there while everybody's fighting, and you're thinking, I wish we did that sick of it all tour, man. <laughs> We'd be playing to a crowd of people now that love us, and here we oh. are playing to a geezer that's got a tattoo across his face trying to hit me with my own drum cymbal stand. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's something to say for shit like that too, but if you had to turn down a sick of it all two or three weeks for it, yeah, it's. I, I imagine it's it's yeah, it plays yeah. with your mind a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, we, we, you, you, um, it was round about the time of dial-up internet as well, so it'd take like a half hour to load a photo from the Sigvit All Tour, and you'd see some <laughs> of the shows they were playing, thinking, shit, man, I could have been on that tour. Oh, But damn. you change it, because that, that business tour for us, that really got me, I met a lot of people in that always scene that were cool, you know? That's how I got in argy-bargy and um, things like that. I met those, met those guys round about that time, and We reached out to a lot of the punk guys in London and around the UK who did end up helping out with us with different things. And, yeah. you know, Barnet Market, the 12 bar, that ended up with eruption every Saturday night. All of that stuff came via the business and via the yeah. oyster. So, you know, it is interlinked. And the, and the cool people in that scene are still great friends of mine. So I wouldn't change it. You know, that was character building, that tour. That was another yeah. thing. Uh, oh, yeah. that, it sounds like a lot of character building, yeah. Get through that tour, and again, no other tour can fade you. <laughs> it's, like, it's like being at the Ruskin Arms. But it is, you get the Ruskin Arms on the tour with the business back then. Like any show now, I'll take on anything. Never, never going to be worried about a show. It can't be that bad. So what do you think? that Could could that business tour, uh, from from the stories you say, could that live up uh, to the level of, say, a Cockney Rejects tour in 83, 84? No, no, no. 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 This, a lot of the time on that business tour, nothing really happened. It was just... 
the threat of it about to happen any minute. You know, and a bit of verbal. There was verbals and stuff happening with our merch guy and blah blah blah. A couple of nights there was big fights, but no, I mean, if you're talking about the Cockney, really, I wasn't there obviously, but I've read, um, you know, yeah. I spoke to those guys. They tell me stories. I used to sit with Mickey all night drinking, listening to his stories and that shit. You know, maybe they 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 exaggerated a bit to make the story better. You know, never let the truth get in the way of a good story and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But their but, stories but, are so extreme that there's no way that those times were, you know, they were they were rough times, man, in the yeah, bridge house and in town. But, but yeah, even, but well, even, if, but even if, but even if just half of it is true. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. If, it, if it's like 10% true, then it would be way crazier than anything happened in that business <laughs> You know, they used to walk into venues and uh, people would come up to them and just cut their guitar strings off and say, what are you going to fucking do about it? <laughs> Some big dude comes in with like a wire cutter and just cuts your guitar strings in front of your face. Yeah. And then yeah. just put you in the mouth, and then the next thing, the whole pub's fighting each other like the fucking like a western. But um, yeah, must be great if the whole west, if the whole uh, if the whole west stand of of some football club, all fucking five hundred skinheads want to storm your club and beat the shit out of you. Well, there's loads of stories of that. You know, people used to beat yeah. the shit out of each other all afternoon at football, literally <laughs> like fucking throwing hot coffee, slashing each other with knives and all that, and then meet up at the show afterwards and be friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess especially in London, I bet. Yeah, well, in London, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of it actually happened at the raves. A lot of those nineties raves, acid house raves, and that, that was full of yeah. footballers. You know, yeah. smash the shit out of each other in the afternoon and go and dance at the night in the same clubs in baggies and places like that in both. But yeah, same with the punk scene. You know, a lot of those guys are even now. A lot of my friends, them older guys, some are Millwall, some are West Ham. You know, some are Chelsea, and they're all mates. They all sit together and have a point, but they still want to kill each other on match day. I can guarantee it. But yeah, match match day is a different story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all know that. Hey, <laughs> but uh, you you made the perfect uh, uh, bridge uh, a second ago. Um, so on that, um, I mean, on that business story, you said you, you met a lot of people, and that made you end up in a lot of the uh, oil punk bands you played in. Yeah. So, wh wh what was the first band you ended up uh, uh, in that style? You ended up doing something. Was that Argy Bargy or did you fill in for the business first? No, or it was, it was? last. The business it was Deadline first. Deadline, Deadline first? was um, Deadline was Knuckle Dust and Gundog. That came together with uh, Hervé's girlfriend at the time. Later on, his wife, but his girlfriend Liz. Um, mm -hmm. We did a couple of cover version songs, something live. We just got together, we played these songs, and then. Uh, I was like, I really like it. Let's record a seven inch. So we put the seven inch out, and the seven inch blew up, man. The seven inch went far and wide, and they got off with good shows really early on. You know, big package tours with like US bombs and things like that, and mm -hmm. did a lot of stuff. You know, we was a full touring band within two years, with two years of forming it, and it was a side project. Then later on, they all quit their bands, and it became the main band. When it became the main band, I didn't want to do it. For me, it was only ever a side project. And once it got really big and busy, I was like, I'm out of it. So I recorded the first two albums with them. Um, and at the same time I was in Deadline, I, I was also just helping the business out for a couple of shows. Uh, Mickey Drummer couldn't do the shows for whatever reason. They asked me to help out. And then I was permanent. And the business was, um, you know, I went everywhere with them. I went to Japan, went to Malaysia, did loads of cool tours with the business. Um, I was in the band for five years. Yeah. Um, and then obviously through the business... And Deadline, Deadline toured with Argy Bargy, and I just got on with Argy Bargy like a house on fire, and I was hanging out with him all the time, with John and Daryl. Um, they were just a great laugh. We spent the whole of that tour laughing. It was just so much fun. And then, 
when I heard their drummer quit, Dustin, I heard through some for a friend of a friend actually who was out in the pub and he said, Oh, Dustin's quit Argy Bargy. I was like, What? So I quickly ran to a payphone, I phoned up John, I was like, I want to do drums. He's like, What? I said, I want to do drums. I heard Dustin's quit, I want to do it. He's like, All right. And then Daryl called me back and you know, questioned my commitment. You know, you've got two other bands. And I said, no, I'm not in Deadline no more. I've just finished with them and the business is, um, you know, for me coming to the end. So yeah. I'll do Argy Bargy, I'll do it full time, you get my full commitments. But yeah, I've been in that band for nearly 15 years now. That is my, uh, my 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 second band, and will always be. Yeah, yeah, I I I, I really like Argy Bargy. I actually like all those uh, those those more oi punkish bands that uh, that that you've uh, that you've played in or playing. The yeah. um, the Argy Bargy is different different Watford, right? Yeah, yeah, they're from Watford. Uh, John's still there. The others nobody lives there anymore. But yeah, they're from Watford. They're a Watford based band. They've been around a long time actually. Um, they, they, they've been around for years, but never really done much. When I joined the band, I sort of pushed and pushed and pushed to do an album. Mm. And then um, we did the Likes of Us album, which went down really well. It sort of propelled the band into new new areas. And then um, we did Hope's Dreams, Lies and Schemes, which was the second album I recorded with them, which was a really good album. And I still think that's one of that. I'd, I'd say that's probably definitely one of the best albums I've ever recorded. Really mm. good album. And... Um, yeah, done really well out of that. But Argy Bargy, it happened for them. They got well known and got really popular. I think too late in life. Mm. You know, it, it it happened at a time where Daryl's got a family now, and he's 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 in Coxborough, so yeah, they're busier than ever. You know, and they're putting out records, and his full commitment is with them. And Argy Bargy get offered shows left, right, and Argy Bargy have never toured. You know, apart from that one deadline tour for about I think it was like four or five days, but they won't tour. Wait a minute. So he's questioning your commitment, but they don't tour themselves. <laughs> no, I don't think he was commitment. He's just checking that. Like, I think what he wanted was that he didn't want to make. He didn't want to go through the hassle of trying to hire another drummer. He was, know, just, he was just. He was just trying to see whether you're serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you, if I was doing it, now I'm definitely doing it. But yeah, and that's it. And, and now we're at a place now. Argy Bars, you're not doing anything. We've got nothing on. Coxbar is so busy at the moment. Hmm. Um, that that's that's Daryl's full time job. You know that's what they do. They're on tour at the moment, actually. Well, actually, they've just finished their tour, but you know they've been really busy, um, and we're just not doing nothing. It's not over. We're not finished. Nothing like that. It will pick up again at some point, but right now it's just dead in the water. There's nothing happening. Yeah. So do. But yeah, so I've always done a punk band. I've always done a hardcore band. Probably for that reason we talked about is that I got so bored of some of the hardcore villains mm. that for me it's nice because RG Bar's got big shows as well. They play big festivals, big punk festivals. Mm. For me, I love that as well. I love being in that world. You know, it's not a world that Knuckle Dust often gets to get involved in. But with Argy Bargy, it's pretty much most gigs they do. And I enjoy that side of it as well, you know, flying around the world to play a big festival, you know, playing yeah, what, and stuff. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I do, I do it for that reason as well. It's, it's different. And we just have such a laugh. When the four of us get together, it's me, Nick, and John and Daryl. Same as Knuckle Dust. When we get together, we have a laugh. The whole thing... Is uh, you know, lads, lads away for the weekend, having a few beers, and uh, it's like being away with my school friends. That's all it is. The yeah. music gets in, like the show gets in the way of our fun sometimes. <laughs> having such a good time in the pub, someone comes along and goes, You've got to play in a minute. And we're like, Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know that feeling. Yeah, I'm like, Oh, damn, do we, can we play tomorrow? I don't want to play no more. God damn it. We should do a weekend together again or something. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, but you didn't you used to have a a, a, pro, a little project band with with with, uh, with Jeff from from the Rejects? Yeah, well, no, that, that wasn't nothing to do with me really. That was a band called The Outfit. Yeah, uh, it was an did you play in that? Band. Sorry, didn't you do anything in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done shows. Yeah, we've done some shows. Um, I think that band is they they're a good band. The, the the guys in the band, Jeff's friends with one of their daddy owns a Peacock Gym in Canning Town, and. Um, Really, really um, talented guy, Lewis. Lewis Bowers, his name is, and he does, he's a rapper, he's a singer, he's a songwriter. He does stuff on the keyboard, and they're more hip hop. They do that kind of stuff and singing. And they've got a band uh, called Dishy Tangent. They're doing really well at the moment. But yeah, Dishy Tangent, off the back of that, formed the outfit. That was a, an electronic thing that Jeff and Lewis did just in their little studio in Canning Town, and people liked it and they wanted to hear it live. So Jeff called me up and said, "Do you want to be part of the live band?" So I said, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." And it's a good band, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. How can I say this? I don't, I don't, you know, it doesn't fit in the punk scene or the hardcore scene, and it probably doesn't fit in the hip hop scene. It's one of them bands you don't know where to fit it. But a lot of what we do, because Jeff's contacts are mainly punk, so we play a lot of punk shows, and punks didn't like it because it's rapping and singing. Yeah, it's not what they're into. So, so what does he do? I never heard it actually. Jeff raps in this. No, Jeff sings the singing parts. Oh, and, okay. Uh, I was going to say. They're young guys, you know. They're, they're, they're young guys. They're good musicians. Um, I mean, it's done now. I think it's pretty much... I think it's over. I'm not sure. They might be carrying on. I'm not sure. But they, didn't, they haven't done anything for a while. But they, they've got their other band, Dishy Tangent, and that does really well. But, you know, I was just helping them out. I was only standing in for them just to get this live thing off the ground. If it blew up, I was going to step back anyway. I told Jeff that from the start. You know, look, I'll get it going with you. We'll get get some songs together, get it tight, get it working. It was a good band, I thought, a good band, but it just played the wrong shows. Yeah. Kind of disheartening when you're playing shows. And uh, we got a lot of good credit, good reviews and stuff like that, but um, it just didn't really have momentum the way it was going and, and nobody really knew where to take it after that. So, yeah. Yeah. So how was that being in the band with Jeff? Oh, he's just... great. I love him. He's fantastic. He's He's... Because I, I take it you were a Rejects fan when you were younger, or no? I was a Rejects fan before I knew what punk was. Because yeah. everybody where I lived was running around singing Arm for the Blowing Bubbles, the punk version. Yeah. Original, and I didn't even know that it was punk. I just thought it was this crazy band called the Rejects. And they was on top of the pops when I was a kid when we won the FA Cup and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, anywhere you went <laughs> around the East End, people knew the Cockney Rejects. They just knew who they were. I didn't know it was punk. I didn't know it was always, you know, football casuals. I didn't know about any of that stuff as a kid, but... Later on, you find out, and then you know, through the, again through the business, I met them because we'd done a show in Japan. We'd done holidays in the holidays in the Rising Sun, they called it, oh. and um, we went out to Yokohama Bay in Japan and done this this massive festival there. And uh, the business, the crack, the exploited, the rejects, um, we all flew out together on a plane. That was fucking crazy, mate. That was. <laughs> I'm banned from ANA Airlines because of that. They ran a little flavor. And it was nothing to do with me. Some of these guys were drinking absinthe. They were fucked, man. One of them smashed up the TV on the chair because he couldn't change the channel on it. And uh, it, was, it was mad, absolute madness. Mickey Fitz, the way he was at the time, drinking solid, just spirits all day. Oh, my God. all over the place and starting fights with people. And yeah, the whole thing was just fucking mad. Mad, mad, mad. Mad, go mad. Tour. The time in Japan was mad. Red Alert as well. You know, they're all mad. <laughs> it was just. Mental, so yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 
<laughs> I, I can only imagine. It's yeah. like, it seems like a dangerous cocktail of bands. I'll tell you one thing about them old punk bands. You know, they do, they, they, they live it. They live it. They, they, they are what the lyrics are. They say they don't care about society and the police and the system and all that. They're acting that way every minute of every day. Mm. You know, yeah. if, if it says do not touch, they'll fucking touch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know exactly. Those people. guys and, and the rejects the same, man. The rejects don't give a fuck about anyone. They, they're not worried. They're not scared of anyone or anything. They're going to do what they want when they want. And a lot of those older bands, I love them for that because that is what punk rock is. And that's what it taught me. It teaches you to think different. You know, if it says do not open this door, some geezers are going to open the fucking door. And then you yeah. find out there was no reason why it couldn't be opened. You yeah. know, like, why was that sticker on there? Well, you, that's what you're doing, like. Just fucking do the opposite. And, you know, you, you do. You look at things completely differently. Yeah. Do, do you do you, do you you think that, uh, and I'm, we're not going down the rabbit hole here. Uh, we have to promise each other that because that happened a couple of times on this podcast. And that's not bad, but whatever. But, I've been on people. Uh, uh, I've been on here with people, and we've all asked ourselves the same thing. Like it's mainly older people that get it, that are in the podcast. That's not an on purpose thing, but it just you know, like uh, a lot of people I, I know are uh, come come from the from a time not not as old as the rejects or the exploited or um, or the business. But um, I mean, for me, for example, I got into this whole scene mid eighties, yeah. you know, and. Uh, Everything is, I mean, my whole attitude is like, is like that, you know, like, it, it, I'm not the kind of guy that is like, if it says do not touch, then I go touch it. But I yeah. question everything. Like, I, I like, I'm very anti-authoritarian. I've got a, I got a, I got a problem with authority in my own way, you know. And um, that all comes from just growing up in the scene that is very, that always questioned everything and that always had uh, uh, an opposite to everything that everybody was saying. So in this whole period with Corona and everything, you can really see, I'm not saying if you, you know, like this, 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 this whole, I have to start this differently. Um, I think it's weird how people now all of a sudden um, are very much, uh, uh, um, an, 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 how you say it, re represent without even questioning it, an opinion of what the state says you got to do, what the, what the apparatus says you got to do. Although they say they come from Pong and they're all the people too that always used to question everything or they're supposed to question everything. Um, as opposed to, you know, like I've, I've been talking to a couple of guys in this and, 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 and women in this in the podcast about this in the podcast because um, it's been a thing where, for example, bands, not just Born for Pain, but other bands too, for like last year we played shows during the, this whole lockdown period or it was lockdown in Western Europe. It wasn't in Eastern Europe and we got a whole lot of shit for it. And I always question, I always said like, Hey, listen, uh, we're supposed to question this. We're supposed to, uh, I'm not saying you should not get vaccinated at all. I'm not saying all these things, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but am I supposed to be judged for going to play a show somewhere or doing something that is anti authoritarian? Are we not supposed to be like that as a scene? Do you kind of, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, you know, if you know, like again, if you get during the lockdown, I was all for the, the doing the lockdown, wearing a mask. I just did it all because I just thought I don't know any different. I've got to mm. believe the scientists because I'm not a scientist. Yeah, you know, they're telling me this is good for me. Then even if it's not good, I don't really care about myself, but I'll do it because I want to protect the older people out there on the street or yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll just do it. I'm going to play the game. But then it was the hardcore people questioning all that stuff. And I was like, oh, man, these guys are fucking annoying me, you know. But 
But now I'm at a point where, you know, you're looking at it thinking maybe they were right. But they just questioned it, uh, you know, too early. I don't know. But I just think now, I mean, I always looked at both sides of everything in this. You know, I always looked at it. I never liked it. I've got the vaccines in me and mm-hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know, I'm trusting science here. I'm putting my life on the line for the good of the greater good of the people. You know, yeah. and to see my dad and to be able to tour again and to go to shows and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. there might be a chance I'll, I'll get fucking all of us end up with cancer in a couple of years off the back of these vaccines. We don't know. You know, we don't know what's in them. They are new. They are quickly developed. So, you know, you, you should question everything. You should. But um, I wouldn't. With, with this stuff, specifically this stuff, the coronavirus stuff, I wouldn't push my views on other people because I don't know if they're right or not. It can only be my opinion on what I think. You know, science is still learning about all this and we'll tell us what the facts are soon. But right now, I, I, I listen to the, the anti-vax guys and I listen to the vax guys and I listen to the, you know, the people's opinions of it and I just kind of go along with what I think's best, quietly. I mm-hmm. don't push it. I'm not on social media every day telling mm-hmm. everybody what they should do. Oh, uh, exactly. Because I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, the, only, the only thing I thought was weird, I, I agree with what you're saying, the, the only thing I thought was weird is like... Um, See, I got my opinion, and I can discuss it with you. And yeah. you can be the, the the biggest pro-vaccination guy. I can be the, the, the biggest anti-vaccination guy or the other way around. But um, I think we're supposed to qu- to question. Like, I mean, this whole scene is, is built upon uh, uh, the bands you just mentioned and other bands. And later on, it got even more political. Um, uh, uh, on top of being anti, just anti-authoritarian. And yeah. you, you were supposed to question, like, I, I always had a, a big problem, or I still have a big problem with people from our scene trying to tell me, oh, you're not supposed to do this, you're not allowed to do this, or why you go do this if the government says you can't do this. I'm like, even you fuck off, you know, like, I mean, that's your opinion, that's cool, but you're telling me I have to do what the government tells me to do. Like, that is that is not like... That is not like, I don't want to hear that from someone who's hardcore or punk because you're supposed to be, you can choose whatever you do. And I have no problem with that either way. But uh, if I hear people that are two years before this are telling me from a stage, yeah, and fuck the government and they're screwing us over and they're doing this and they're only thinking their own, uh, for their own good. And now you're telling me, yeah, listen to the same government that I just condemned two years ago on stage. Exactly, I yeah. don't know. That, that's, that to me rubs me the wrong way. And I don't think that's supposed, that, that's what punk and hardcore is supposed to be, you know, not to no, me. I don't even listen. I mean, our government, man, Jesus Christ, they don't even do what they tell you to do. You know what I mean? They're on the news today saying that last year when they were sending everyone locked down and people were dying left, right, and centre, they had a party in 10 Downing Street. It's all yeah. come out this week and everybody's going crazy about it over here now. So, you know, how can you listen to a group of people like that? You know? Yeah, yeah the, cra- and the, and the, cra- the crazy thing about that is that there's people in our scene defending yeah. those people or the opinions that, are like, come on, guys, you know, like, question, question a little bit, you know, question what they say, question all sides, question, look look into all sides, but don't just, I don't know, that that to me, it kind of, to me, it, it looked like it's kind of separating the people who really understand what this is about from the people that do not, never understood what this was about, to me. No, that's it. And people, people have had too much time to spend on the internet as well, because we've been in lockdown and we're working from home. And yeah, so you're yeah. reading too many points of view. And, and I honestly believe that the more of this sort of stuff you type in, it will set your algorithm to show you more extreme stuff of that yeah. side of the argument. So mm-hmm. you're locked in this, like you say, it's a rabbit hole of an argument 
that you can't see the other side because everything in your computer is telling you the earth is flat, then you're going out and you're telling everybody the fucking earth's flat, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You, just, you believe it. You, you're brainwashed. It's, and, and, you know, you've got to look at the other side of the view. You've got to look at the other side of the argument. You know, people are sitting there and watching TikTok videos now about anti-vax. And so this, this thing hammers home. Now, you know, have your opinion. Do what you think's best. If somebody don't want to take a vaccine, hey, we're still friends. I don't hate you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. You know, I've took it. You, if, but when, when I get fucking develop a baby growing out of my forehead, don't laugh at me because I did what I thought was right at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know if it's the right thing or not. I'm just doing it. I'm doing it for the reasons I said. I want to play shows. I want to see my dad. I want to, you know, I want to fly to places. I'm going on my honeymoon next week. I can't do that without a vaccine. So, fuck it. Stick one in me. You know, in the years, we've taken worse stuff. You know what I mean? Why, oh, why yeah, am I going to yeah. worry about a scientifically, medically proven vaccine when, you know, we've been around Slovenian council estates Buying shit we don't even want in it, you know what I mean? <laughs> so why am Slo- I worried? Slovenian council There's people saying I won't take the government vaccine. You can't give me that, and I'm like, mate, I've seen you take some drugs. You do, you do not know what was in it. You haven't got a clue what was in that shit. <laughs> so don't true. talk to me about a fucking vaccine. Go away, man. I don't want to hear your argument. <laughs> so if you're going- clean living. If you're clean living, if it's like a pure straight edge guy that I've known all my life, so let's take Danny Evans, right? If he's straight edge for fucking thirty odd years, if he says I can't take it because I disagree with it, I'd say, good man, fair enough. That's your principles, you know. But you're yeah. not going to say to me, I ain't putting that poison in my body when you've been taking drugs for the last thirty years. I'm going to tell you to shut up. You're deluded. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you're saying you're going on honeymoon next week, huh? Yeah, man. We're going to Cancun, going? To Mexico. Ah, nice. So Christmas and New Year, I'm going partying in Cancun. We, were oh, you, you, to, uh, we, we had to organise our wedding three times. It got cancelled because of the virus. And the honeymoon got cancelled because of the virus. So we finally got married in September. And honeymoon, well, honeymoon's supposed to be next Thursday we're leaving. But now with all this shit going on over here with this new variant, who knows, man? Who knows? Might have to cancel again. Who knows? You, 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 be- you better watch out that you can even fly back. <laughs> I don't care about flying back. I just want to fly there. If I can stay there for longer, I'll stay there, man. I don't care. I'll, I'll just get on that plane. I, I really want to go. I'm desperate to get out of here. Yeah, I, I guess it's not It's not, uh, It's not. not that bad having to stay in Cancun. I, I, I'm bringing my, um, my work computer, my, my work phone, and I can call my boss and say, listen, I'm available. I'm here. I'm working. But I can't come home for 10 days because I've got the virus or whatever reason I can't come home for. And yeah. I'll just stay here and work from there, from the hotel or whatever. But I just want to get out of there. I don't care. We, you know, my wife said that. How about what if we get stranded out there? Fucking Brit, what? We get stranded two more weeks in the sun with tequila. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. We worry about it. Yeah. You're exactly right. Hey, before we, before, before we, we, we round this off, you got to tell me what happened to your stand up comedy career? Um,. <laughs> It's, it's still it's still in the process. It's still going. I did a gig um, just before the lockdown, actually. I did yeah. one in Brighton at the Grand Hotel. Uh, it went well. It was good. Um, I'm still writing. I've still got sets together. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it more next year because Knuckledust can't play till June. So when I come back from the honeymoon, I'm booking comedy shows. Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah? yeah right, so, you, so, you, so you're that much... Um, uh uh on it at this at this point yeah i want to do it i mean for me it's a challenge if you if you've ever done stand up um even just speaking you know not with a band on stage with you on your own with one light shining on you it's terrifying 
Oh, yeah. You've got to do it, man. You've got to challenge yourself to do, like, um, you know, after dinner speaking or a best man speech or something like that. But stand up comedy is really throwing yourself in the deep end. That's standing in a room full of people that want you to make them laugh, but think before you say a word, they think you suck. Yeah. You know, all of their faces yeah. say, this guy's going to suck. And when they laugh, it's the, the highest high. It's like the first mosh pit you ever had. Yeah. yeah so do. Crowd, crack up laughing, it feels. Fantastic, man. It's the best thing. So let me ask you something. So when we all went out with our bands, our first shows, we always had a couple of friends with us that would be like uh, kicking off the pitch, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, you, you have people at the comedy shows there that you know that you know are going to laugh. So they can, to be the catalyst for people or do you? Uh, no, it's, well, I mean, yeah, the, the last one I did in Brighton, my sister was there and obviously my wife was there. We had uh, a couple of friends come down for it. But not for that reason. It, I honestly think if they didn't find it funny, they wouldn't laugh. Mm. Like my sister would honestly say to me, you was fucking rubbish, man. Go back to playing music. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they were laughing. It, it went well. So, you know, I don't want to blow smoke up my own ass, but it went well. It was only like my, my second ever gig and people were laughing. So I'm just going to do it. And the, the more I do it, the better. Like in the band, the more you do it, the better you get it. You know, when yeah. you're on tour, by the, by the end of the tour, your band's tightest. Like, I love that for touring. My band's tight as shit at the end of the tour. <laughs> well, this is how the band's supposed to sound, you know. But now when we're doing these one-off gigs, like we played Wales the other day and things were breaking and the fucking guitar goes out of tune and then, oh, man, you know, it's Do just you... pulling teeth. It's painful. <laughs> the, so how many, how many, uh, many stand-ups did you do till now? Just a one or more? Uh, three. Ah, all right. Two actual paid gigs, but one in a rehearsal with comedians and people watching and stuff like that for observation. But I did six months of training. Every Tuesday night for six months, I went to a class, you know, to learn how to to learn the tricks of it, to learn how to write, to learn the tricks of it, you know, what the techniques are, you know, you how to tell offensive jokes about upsetting people and blah, 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 loads of different things. It's so hard, comedy, man. Like, comedians who do it, They make it look easy. Like, it's so easy for me and you to watch a comedian and say, oh, that guy's not funny. Yeah. But if you're saying that normally because you're watching them on telly. If they've got to that point, people like them. You know, they're doing something right. Yeah. So it's just that you don't find them funny. That doesn't mean they're shit. It's just no, that their yeah. style of comedy or humor is not for you. But then there'll be another one which you find hilarious and your friend or your missus will say, I don't like that guy. not funny. You know, so <laughs> comedy is really um, subjective. But doing it and delivering it it's, it's it's an art man it is it is the art form it's, it's acting you're going up there you're acting you're you've got to have a good memory because everything is scripted everything is written you know even people like Jimmy Carr you feel like they're, they're heckling people and doing all that stuff it's all written it's all well memorised and practised and practised and practised and um, yeah so I've done that I've got a good solid 10 minute set together You know, most comedians, when they're doing club shows, only, only perform for five minutes. Most, yeah. It seems a lot longer, but to stand there and make people laugh constantly for 10 minutes is very hard to do, man. So hard to do. And um, I've come this far, so I'm not going to stop doing it now. Ah, you shouldn't. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I really, at one point, if travel gets easier. I mean, Naomi and I are long overdue a London visit anyways. Then, yeah. uh, but... Uh, Well, we'll have to see. I mean, uh, we got a kid coming at the end of January, so... Huh? You'll have to come and see some proper football. Oh, yeah, of course. Come and see yeah. how to play, and uh, especially at the moment, 
uh, I'll tell you something. That that stadium has been dead, like fucking library every time since I've been going there. But now, right now, that place is electric, man. I love going to football at the moment. The atmosphere. Good. Hey, I mean, as 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 soon as there's a chance, uh, I'll be glad to. So yeah, I'll pick yeah. you up on that. But um, so but as 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 a, as a stand-up comedian, I mean, you 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 could do do you draw from your hardcore and punk touring experience no i'm trying to keep it all completely separate i might do so i've wrote and written stuff down like that um because I, i'm sure there's, there's there's there has to be a hundred a hundred different situations where you'd be like ah oh, that would probably be funny but how do i deliver that maybe i don't know you know yeah th yeah there, there is i mean no a lot of it really is to do with like probably scenarios that have happened on tour like a lot of my current set that i talk about is about having piles you know what i mean and, and having problems with my arsehole and so <laughs> i talk about that and going to the doctors and blah, blah blah and there's loads of stuff around that subject and people are uncomfortable i want to make people uncomfortable listening to it you know <laughs> listening to me talking about the issues i've had with my ass now some of those stories are true because that stuff went on on tour yeah You know, so, you know, you, you get that situation. I'm in that situation to be able to talk about that because I've been on tour, probably. So, yeah, it is linked in that way. But, no, I don't talk about, you know, I'm in a band and I did this and we did this on tour. I don't talk about that. I just talk about, um, you know, um, <laughs> personal issues that I think people would relate to but wouldn't have the balls to talk about it themselves. Yeah. You know, real – I do a bit about colour blindness as well and, and you know, my arsehole. And you can see people cringing, and I like that. It's funny because they're <laughs> laughing because somebody's finally talking about their problem that they're probably sat there right now with. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't want to tell anyone. But they're going, oh, yeah, you can see they relate to it as well. People are like, oh, that happened to me, that happened to me, oh, my God. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a good angle. Yeah. Hey, so uh, to round it off, you're, uh, um, you guys did your 25-year uh, anniversary this year? Yeah. Um, so that means uh, uh, we're doing Born for Pain 25 year anniversary next year. Oh, so, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to book you guys for that. I already told Wema we would. Uh, oh, cool. You need Good. to come over. I mean, we, we like there's, there's, there's very few bands we've known as long as we, uh, as we, know, uh, as we know you. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I'm working on something really, really nice for that. So hopefully that I, I get it to get away. I want to. Um, it's going to be after June, so no worries. And well, um, <laughs> if we but, can, um, there's a, a new variant. Hopefully, we'll be able to get over there. But um, yeah, ah, uh, fuck. Yeah, I, yeah that's I, a yes sure you... it's after June. Then yeah, the answer is yeah. I'm just <laughs> watching the question. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. So um, you got the new uh, you got the new record out now. So you yeah. say you're not playing anything till June. Um, You're going on honeymoon. After that, you're working on stand-up comedy. Yeah. Um, anything else you want us to know before we go? Not really. No, you've sort of done it all there now, really. I mean, um, knuckledustmerch.com, if you want to uh, help um, Pierre and Weymouth feed their babies, that'd be good. <laughs> um, we've still got the record. Actually, the record's running out now. We only made 300 of them. That was just a thing we did. It was a project we did, like, in the lockdown. Yeah. And um, we recorded this thing. The songs are pretty good. Um, really good recording, good studio, all that stuff. It's a nice limited edition package. It's a it's a 10 inch vinyl, but it's actually we're calling it a 25 centimeter vinyl. You get a centimeter of vinyl for each year we've been around. 
yeah. And nice the final, idea. Yeah. final is black and white. That represents the four of us. It's black, white, black, white. That's how we always stand <laughs> in photographs. Um, <laughs> and the Knuckle Dust logo and the In Plain Sight, which is what the EP's called, on the album sleeve glows in the dark. Um, um, yeah, and it's just a nice little package. It's strictly limited. It's not going to be one of these things where we say, limit the 300, and then when they're gone, you're going to see another 300. That's it. Done. I ain't making no more. I don't want to make no more. I don't want <laughs> nothing to do with fucking pressing plants, with uh, graphic designers. With uh, I don't want nothing to do with any of it. I just want to sell these, and it's gone. Those five songs might appear at the end of the new album or something. If if a label wants to take us on, hi, hi, guys, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> if the label takes us on, you'll get them five songs for free. They'll tag on to the end of an album, or if you want them to split with someone, I don't know, whatever. At the moment, they're not on CD. They're just on vinyl and on streaming. They're across YouTube and Spotify. Um, go to Spotify and up with us, and it's there. It's all there. But the all package right. is just a limited vinyl. It's just a nice thing to have. Uh, nice full-color sleeve, all that sort of stuff. And um, I've got about, I think I've got about 60 of them left. Right. Our mainland goes to gsrmusic.com and orders them over there. So, yep. uh, yeah. So, Raymond, that about rounds it up. It was good talking to you. We've been uh, been talking for two hours. And uh, and I hope to see you soon in Perth so we can have a pint or two and uh, watch some football. If you come to London, hit me up. Let's of course I will. We'll have no a beer. problem. There's several. Yeah, oh, yeah, several, <laughs> for sure. Hey, say hi to the missus, say hi to everybody else, and yeah, hopefully like soon. Thank you.